Hey, welcome back to the Blue Collar Off-Road Podcast, episode 137. I'm Graham, I'm here with Luke, Cody, and Richie. And we got Marvin from Flex Rocks and Rollovers on. This has been a few weeks in the making. Uh, we had, I think, Marvin, you had a scheduling thing, and then we set it up, and then uh, I said yes, but then I ended up fucking it all up. We're finally here, um, ready to talk about... Just yeah, dude. I think you're. Yeah, dude, we we were kind of uh, chasing each other there for a minute, but yeah. glad it worked out, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you yeah. for coming on. Before we get into the flex rocks and rollover stuff, let's talk about Mr. Marvin himself. How did you get into wheeling, dude? Oh man, through my dad essentially back in Germany. Like I kind of grew up with it. Like my, my dad had a bought a G, bought a YJ when I was born, pretty much. Uh, mm -hmm. kind of the same time and then like he said uh, wheeling rigs before that like he said old Land Rovers and whatnot that he restored and you know like worked on it built up and then bought a Jeep uh, when I was born and then from there on forward like kind of joined an off-road club and like you know once I was old I mean not even like once I was like four or five he started taking me so I kind of grew up around it and then once he moved to the states when I was 12 it just continued like then i took over the german wheeling jeep and uh he bought the exact same one here and then like we just continued like everything just continued so i started spending my summers here for like my summer vacations and like even sometimes winter vacation like just spend over here and we explored the southeast and moab and you know teleco back in the days all the old wheeling hot spots that's how i spent my summers or my vacate my vacate my, my school vacation time over here and then you know started obviously like wheeling the german jeep that we still had back in germany for a couple of years okay so now you piqued my interest what's the off-roading scene like in germany because i'm kind of small um, town if you will yeah, <laughs> tiny dude like it's not even really worth it i mean I don't want to say it's not worth talking about. It's definitely, it exists. You know, there's a, there's a couple of event series, like little rock, like we don't really have rock crawling, but like the European equivalent or the, it is trial. So it's kind of like, you know, they set up really tight gates on dirt courses that are, you know, almost like rock crawling courses, but dirt instead of rocks for the most part and mud, but very technical. And, so similar um, to like the the New Zealand style, yeah, similar, little similar, exactly. Short wheelbase rigs like Samurais or even buggies, you know, Land Rovers, G wagons, whatever, different classes. Uh, but then also Ultra Four kind of style, like it, like you know, we we do have Ultra Four Europe, and it also like you know the Baja, like the or the it's called the um, Berlin Breslau race, which is I think the Baja Germany is I think what they call that. I don't know if it's just a nickname or if it's actually called like that. Anyways, it's an ultra four style race, you know, and we have we have several of those throughout Europe. So people in Germany build rigs for it and whatnot. So like you, the competition side is, uh, you know, exists and there's a couple of different events and series and whatnot. But the uh, recreational wheeling is tiny, and if it is does exist, it's all on like overland slash expedition, you know, like big Land Rovers or big big rigs like Unimox and bigger trucks that are oh, meant shit. to, you know, stay out in the wild self-sufficiently for, you know, months in a row, like that kind of stuff you actually see a lot more frequent than, let's say, like a rock crawler type of rig. That's actually sick, though. For sure. Unimog is a huge, like, widely successful, super, super popular platform uh, all through Europe. Obviously, the Sprinter vans, 
you know, it's kind of like the van life kind of culture exists over there. But then the step up or five steps up from that, you have those like massive MAN trucks and Unimog trucks with, like, you know, big uh camper uh build outs and uh that are you know covered in solar panels and whatnot like they're basically driving desert yachts <laughs> yeah. you know insane How much which honestly sounds sick like yeah it's amazing but like <laughs> super cool yeah i worked at an off-road shop at a jeep jeep slash off-road shop uh towards the end of high school and like we got to work on a few of those things and like you know suzuki said like the the europe in europe the samurai continued under the name of jimny suzuki's jimny so those are pretty uh, popular because they're cheap uh people you know put a small lift kit on them and you know something wheels so like the the xj of over in that side of the pond pretty much i mean <laughs> xj's are also existing you know jeeps are existing 100 percent, just not not at like i would say what's jeep here like jeep shares the market there with land rover and with mercedes you know the g-wagon is an actual like off-road vehicle Germany. <laughs> not like the nice amg brand new ones you know but like the older models up until like the mid 90s i would say like you see like with you know lift kits and tires and you know roof racks and bumpers and build outs yeah. I always wanted to get my hands on one of the European spec diesel XJs. I thought that would be a cool little thing. Yeah, true. The JK also came with diesel right off the gate, like immediately. Since 2007, you can you, you were able to buy a... Uh, in Germany, at least, you were able to buy a JK with a diesel. That's cool. I wish that our American cars in America would come with more diesel options. Yeah, so that thing was a lot bigger there, but now, I mean, that was, you know, 10, 12 years ago before I left, dude, before I left Germany. Now, the whole, like, the way the country is being ran and, like, the whole, like, the, the, the way things are being handled, like, the automotive industry is definitely suffering, or the aftermarket industry is suffering more and more and more, and things are getting more and more complicated and, uh, you know, partially illegal to modify, etc. So, like, you know, it's 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 slowly dying out. So you can pretty much be be happy over here that they leave you alone. You can still execute your hobby. You may not have every drivetrain model, but then again, like you have a lot that they don't oh. have over there. You know, so it evens out. Zero complaints here. It's great to be able to go down to LKQ and grab a uh, cheap pick your poison V8 model and swap that into whatever you want to swap it into. And just drive it on the road, you know. You not that you you can do all those things in Germany as well, but you just can't drive it on the road. <laughs> like you know, the fact that I my Jeep has a tag on it and I can wheel you know black trails all, all over the country and then pop it back into wheel drive and go, you know, hit a restaurant that and that's totally okay. It blows my mind till today. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we appreciate that enough. No, uh, no I, we we do a lot of all. complaining about the 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 few rules we do have in a lot of states and i love tennessee's rules my xj is perfectly street legal and i love that yeah. i'm in georgia nobody cares here as well like i can literally do whatever the hell i want like the jeep like the jeepster has a tag on it and like whenever i want to i drive it on the road yeah isn't wow. it awesome yeah for sure the that i recently bought like it took me like two months almost to get it registered. I just didn't like, I didn't have the time, didn't want to. Nobody gives it, like, nobody really cared. Like, well, is it smart to drive with an unregistered car? No. But can you? <laughs> yes. Like, yes. nobody really actually cares. Like, in Europe, that would last, like, in Germany, you can drive, like, 
I give you 30 to 45 minutes and you have a massive ticket. <laughs> you said that your dad got you into it with the YJ. When you yeah. came over to the States, was it, he had the YJ here, right? And yeah, so yeah, what was... Yeah, like bought another one here, basically, when he moved. And then that was already, like, we, we bought it and it had, like, 34s on it and, like, a 3-inch lift. Like, you know, it was slightly modified, but not he heavily. And then we shared that G because I didn't live here until, you know, 10, 12 years ago. So uh, that was his Jeep and, like, in the like whenever it was vacation time for me whenever school was off and i was you know we were able to make it happen to, to fly me over here and we yeah we just shared that jeep like i spotted like literally since i was old enough to walk the trail since i was old enough to drive <laughs> or you know able to drive i spotted him like you know and understood like learned it that way like i feel like i had a big advantage over other people right off the gate in that sense because like i because i've learned lines my whole life and like learned how to like navigate a jeep through you know any kind of terrain so when did the itch for the getting bigger jeeps start hmm honestly i would say it 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 was always coming i always liked them more like it was just a money and a you know oh that's so crazy like it was so far away for us a lot of times you know and we also matured the wheeling in europe is so different that we literally started over with everything it was like we were complete newbies starting to wheel over here because it's so different terrain is so different the parts availability the opportunity the things that you can do is everything is so different right so um we literally started over and then just matured into it, you know, because we've been doing it for a long time and you always, like, you meet people and, you know, you always want to achieve the next bigger thing and wheel the, the next better trail and, you know, you follow other groups and they inspire you and w what you want to build out of your rig and then over time it just became that. Uh, definitely something that uh, um, that helped as well was that, you know, when I started working in the off-road industry back with my dad when we started Axel Off-Road, um, we hung out with a lot of rock bouncer people, you know, because we, ki we kind of introduced helmets to rock bouncing, at least on the competition side back then. And we, like, I followed SRS and Southern Rock Racing for three years straight. And that, you know, hanging out with those guys <laughs> definitely puts a, puts a different perspective on, on, on wheeling and on, you know, what you can do. So um yeah i think that definitely sped up the process as well because like all of a sudden you saw jeeps you know not not only rock bouncers but also jeeps that were just built different they were not built with the parts catalog in mind you know those guys never even heard of Genride, and they have a jeep that is you know complete like i don't know i feel like that crowd or that scene was light years ahead of the wheeling scene back in the days and um you know there's a couple of builders that i got to meet back then that have built jeeps 15 20 years ago that would still that are still top of top of uh, top of the line nowadays you know in the, in terms of standards and how they build them and whatnot crazy so that crowd definitely uh pushed uh, my horizon a little bit when it comes to that so after the yj um was there another vehicle that you guys split or did you start going yep. off on your own and then buying your own vehicle to go yes. wheeling in yeah, literally the Jeepster was then the next thing. So like we we split the YJ for forever, like for a long time, and just like did it that way. And uh, at at some point, I bought it. I bought the Jeepster and then started building on it. But like you know, us sharing a Jeep was was pretty much always. I don't know. 
it sounds crazy but it was, it was ne it, it's always it was always our dream like we built we would i would would have never gone wheeling without him so like we were like why not like why not just share jeep like i don't know it was never even really a topic up until i bought the jeepster you know and then that build process just took you know forever five years <laughs> until it was you know from the moment i started the project to i drove it so you How know. long have you have you had that Jeepster? So that's been the original original body, original frame. Yeah. I mean, other than the modifications you've done, yeah, the Jeepster. Wow, is like the it was 2010. Since 2010, I have that. Wow, yeah. wow, it's a long ass time. That's when I bought it. Yeah, it's a long time to have the same really wheeling yeah, rig. We've always been like that, you know. For like my dad's Jeeps were always like we just continue one Jeep. Like there's no, I don't know. Uh, and now I'm like I'm so married to this Jeep, like I would never, <laughs> you know, sell it or do anything to it. It stays. Jeez, you bought, you got the caught the bug of uh, nostalgia, and now you're yeah, stuck with totally. it. <laughs> and like now it's like what got the channel started. Like I don't know, it's just like part of me and like my identity in this community. I feel like you know, and I That's like well, it's a good like I don't know I don't want to there's no reason like nothing no I don't think that somebody is gonna pay me the money that I would want to have to like part ways with it and not feel terrible about it. That's but, completely understandable and it's kind of a staple like if you go to a property even though if you don't post it on you know any social media if somebody sees that rig they're like oh shit that's Marvin like it, yeah. so I I can see exactly why you'd want to keep it as well. And I've had so funny that you say that because I've had one legit offer on it and. I was thinking about it. I was debating it. I was playing with the idea of selling it at some point because the offer was good. And then the guy came back to me one night and was like, you know what, man, I can buy this thing and do whatever the hell I want to do with it. But every time, everywhere I go, it will be, oh, there's Marvin's Jeep, you know? So yeah. Like, yeah exactly. <laughs> Even if you paint it, you would probably still get that. So that's uh, a good point. And, uh, that's a really yeah. good point. I don't, you know, I, I totally get that too. Like who wants that? Who wants to put it, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Or every single time somebody running up to you thinking that it's your Jeep, even though it's already sold, and then him yeah. being bo bothered by it. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> How many Jeepsters are there? Not all, but like that you know of that are big crawler rigs, right? Oh, this actually, I'm part of like a Facebook community. Uh, there's two G different Jeepster commando Facebook groups, and like it's honestly, you'll be surprised, man. There's actually quite some <laughs> out there. I mean, it's not a huge community, but like, yeah, well, that's why I asked because I figured if anybody's gonna know, it's gonna be somebody with one because you yeah, kind of have to get like, into those. They're all different groups. and they're all unique because you can't buy anything for them. You will not yep. find one that looks like the other, you know what I mean? So, yeah, like nobody looks like mine, definitely not, but. There's definitely a huge variety in them because there's not a single bolt-on part you can buy for those things. So everybody that builds one, like you know, built like builds it from scratch. Yep. So cool about the really vintage crawler rigs is it's yeah they're they're all so one-off. Like there's so there's only so many things you can buy. And like you said, there's nothing available for a Jeepster. It's so old. Always but. kicked me more. Like, I don't know, when I was talking to you guys earlier about Southern Rock Racing and the Jeeps that I saw through the people that were involved in that, like, I don't know if you guys are aware of a company called Coal Works. They, he, like, he built, he's the guy that built Bobby Tanner's Rock Bouncer, like yep. one of the most, like, that dude, the dude behind that buggy, Coal Works. He built 
Jeeps in like I don't know the early early 2000s and late 90s and like you would if you would if one of those rigs would pull up to you what now you would still think like that thing just got done it's unreal what that guy built back then already like back when in my on my in my universe a Jeep on 35s was huge you know he already <laughs> built rigs with V8 swaps and 43 inch tires and four link and 14 bolt axles and all that stuff crazy Yes, so that I always, saw that always kicked me more than just buying stuff and bolting it on. Like that, yep. just you know, I'm not a huge. And that, the funny thing is, is that I'm not even a great fabricator. Like I'm not a fabricator at all by, by on my own. Like it's just, I'm not. That's not one of my talents, unfortunately. So <laughs> I, mean, I feel yeah, that I feel like with, me welding is like Stevie Wonder's guide dog taught me how to do it. Yeah. I'm a mess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tried to help little, that. But, you know. Just, <laughs> Fabric like for me back then it was more of a like I spent so much time and money and hustle on this on this rig and had a really good connection to a really cool shop in Oklahoma that I was friends with Green Country Off Road back then. We had some business going on together through my business that I ran back back then. And um yeah, we just got together and started this long term project together and I basically moved into the cornfields of Oklahoma for months in a row and flew in friends here and there to help uh to finish this to, to build and finish this jeep and with their help but like their fabrication skills were on point and like i had a vision i knew what this thing i want this thing to look like and like i made the cardboard templates for fenders and you know uh all the different armor plates that are covering the jeep and like how to stretch the hood and like you know all the little details um, and, but I had somebody else bend the metal and weld the welds because after all this having like, you know, the, I don't want, like, that was not the time for me to learn. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I don't want bogar welds all over this Jeep after all this. <laughs> so, no, and at least you had the vision, right? I mean, I think that's the biggest thing and I'm by no means a professional fabricator, but I've built stuff for people and there's nothing that's more frustrating than when you ask them what they want like what a, what they want something to look like or what they want on it like what are their thoughts on it and they don't have any it's like yeah. okay so i'm just so i'm just building i'm no. building something for myself but this isn't mine this is yours like i want to build it right. to what you want and if you don't know what you want then how am i supposed to help you so right. like definitely yeah. respectable that you have you like you had all that vision in the in the forefront or at least you were like there and on the fly and like you you knew in your head what you wanted the entire time Hundred percent, yeah. I really like very to like to detail almost like that. What you know, at least what it, when it came to like looks and wheelbase and like you know the overall dimensions of the vehicle, pretty much, and how everything should supposed to look. Yeah, for sure. You know, and then like on the mechanical side, it was obviously trial and error. You know, like figuring mm -hmm. out this axle setup. Over the years, like you definitely replace things where you thought it was a great idea when you first built it, and it turns out to not be a good idea. That happened a lot. Like there was a lot of learning on this thing. Oh so. yeah, and and you can't be afraid of that too, right? Like oh. you can put something in and it doesn't work. You just you oh, you part of stay it, flexible yeah. on it, right? That's, part of uh, it. Now I'm going through it again with the Toyota, pretty much. Like I just dropped <laughs> it out a couple of days ago uh, uh, with Mikey Grub, friend of mine. Um, he's helping me out also same same kind of thing like he's helping me out on some fabrication stuff he's building bumpers and rock sliders uh for it finally so i can put a winch on this thing and don't beat it up every time i take it out because it has absolutely zero armor on it so changing that finally but yeah same thing i 
to, told him exactly how I wanted it and, you know, obviously had a discussion with what is, what's possible and, like, we both looked at it, but overall did the same thing, you know, knew what I wanted. So now that we're kind of talking more about the Jeepster, let's actually dive into that. What's done to it? You can go as detailed as you want. Man, uh, well, yeah, it's a 73 Jeep Commando, so theoretically it's not even a Jeepster Commando, but a Jeep Commando. So it's the old, like the second generation that had a, the so-called bullnose front end where that looked kind of like an ugly Bronco or like a weird looking Bronco. Yeah, uh, that's what it started off with. So we swapped the front ends over uh, to the older Jeepster style, the, you know, with the one that it currently has and uh, built some custom fenders for it then and stretched the hood about 10 and a half, like 10, 11 inches, something like that. To, to a make space for the big motor but also kind of give this thing a better proportion make it look bigger because it's a tiny jeep like i should send you i have some pictures of this jeep stock with the bullnose front end and all that uh parked to a normal four-door jk and you'd laugh like it's a tiny vehicle overall proportion it would just fit inside the four-door jk and you could have you have space all around it's crazy <laughs> and uh so with stretching the hood it like totally gave this thing better proportion had more space for the 42s in the wheel which just made a lot of things easier and then overall the wheelbase was good for a LJ frame. That was the original idea to just throw an LJ frame under it and then LJ suspension so we can make it an LJ underneath it, basically. I didn't want to buy an LJ frame, so we used a uh, shitty TJ frame and stretched it. And then kind of like, yeah, worked worked our way around other stuff. Um, has a Like I said, I, bought, I got a good deal back then on a 6.1 Hemi, which back then the 6.1 was what's now the, the 392, the 6.4. So, you know, it was like the cool, like the best thing to go. Now, I would definitely not recommend anyone to use that motor because it only was made for like four years and you can't find any anymore. Uh, so, um, yeah, there's that. So it has a 6.1 Hemi in it, Dodge Ram transmission, the 545 RFE, a little bit built up, um, then Atlas transfer case, uh, Dana 60 high pinion in the front, with 300M 35 spline RCVs, and then the rear is a 40, uh, 40 spline 300M RCV 14 bolt. Yeah, 14 inch uh, coilovers all around. Man, what's, the full, what's the full wheelbase on that? 116. So it's a stock Ford or JK basically now. Yeah, and, that's a long boy. Yeah, 116. And I'm again, look, looking at the stock Jeepster, like the, it's crazy. You would never fit a 116 wheelbase in it without making it look really goofy. But like, because <laughs> we stretched the front end, like even in the body, you won't never see it because the Jeepsters have such a short hood that we just we stretched it to a normal Jeep hood proportions, you know. So it, <laughs> you, you could never tell. Obviously, the whole interior is cu uh, custom built. The whole floor is like we had to cut. The floor was when I bought the Jeep uh, was basically fiberglass, so we had to replace the entire floor, which helped us to raise the floor up a little bit to lower the chassis a little bit on the frame. Um, we cut the firewall out, moved it back, also again for engine placement, so we can move it further back and lower. Um, so the intake fits basically under underneath the firewall. Uh, or the cowl, yeah, that definitely that that helped a lot in stability. That makes this rig really stable because the motor is really like low and far back. That makes really really big difference on this thing. Um, yeah, full custom cage, obviously. Um, 
42 inch tires, 20 inch bead locks. You know, just yeah. your standard standard fare for today's day and age. I was going to say, that seems like everybody's go-to now is 42s or 43s or 20s. Yeah, I would say so. Like, everybody gave me hell when I first switched them. Nobody ran 20s. I feel like it's been become a normal thing now on 42s. Which, and I think it's the correct thing. Like, you just have way more sidewall flex or wobble on it, on that on a big tire like a 42 or 43. Yep. I thought it was weird at first, too, honestly. We have... We know... I know... Uh... Chris, uh, oh god, I'm not even gonna say his yeah, last no, name. Ah, uh, uh, you should have let him say it. Well, yeah, I was about to. <laughs> and uh, and another guy, Mikey. Both of them run like the what is it, the 43 SL XXs? Yes. Yeah. Um, with the 20s, and you know, initially I was kind of like, oh, why would you run a 17? Because that's like what everybody runs. But their reasoning made sense, and it like you don't even notice the difference between a 17. Uh, versus a 20 on a 40 i mean you do but it looks proportional with it looks proportionally correct i learned something the other day on the sx's is that the you know what i think is a downside of the sx tires is that the on the 17 inch wheel at least the the tire is very ballooned you're only riding on a very small surface uh, of the tire versus on the 20 it's way more stretched out. Like you have a lot more surface area on that tire uh, than on the 17. We had them next to each other the other day, like just sitting there and like it caught our eye that it's, it's quite, it's almost double the surface area that you're getting on a 20 inch wheel. Hmm. Wow. So there's always something on the SX that I thought was a downside, like compared to my BFG crawlers that are basically square and you have, you know, huge surface area that uh, can bite into the rock versus the balloonish uh, looking one from uh, Interco. Mm-hmm. Different concept, you know, but it's definitely less surface. Yeah. So when I had first heard about your Jeepster, I had been told it was a uh, JK frame swap, and I was like, all right, that kind of makes sense with the Hemi, but hearing that it's a TJ frame TJ. swap, that's really cool. Well, it's um, a TJ frame that was stretched to an LJ, and then at the end, because, like, obviously we didn't end up doing LJ suspension at all, it's all custom suspension, there's nothing LJ about it, so we just, we ended up cutting off right behind where we stretched it to back half it for falling and to, you know, make it into what it is now, so... We kind of screwed ourselves. We, you know, just changed plans. We thought first, like, hey, you know, bolt on TJ suspension. Here we go, or LJ suspension. But then, like, you're not doing that as far like later yeah, on. The project continues, and the and project you continues. That's not a, exactly. <laughs> that's not a not the right call. Yep. Yeah. No, but it's a it's a TJ frame essentially. So, are you running the stock wiring harness and computer modified mm-hmm. to run the six one? on standalone or how's that set up because i've been hot wire harness hot wire harness ecu all of that it it works with the dodge ecu so it's a hot wire harness now that's Uh, got the electric pedal yep all of it comes with everything just plug and play everything's labeled it's really for dummies like it's super super easy hot wire they've been around forever and it's literally plug and play (laughs) super you can't beat that are you contemplating swapping to an LS when the time comes up? Or are you going to consider keeping this 6-1 rocking and rolling as long when as you When I rolled can? it and blew it up, I was very close to, to uh, LS swapping it. And after I had put down like all the costs affiliated with it and everything I would need new, and just every, like overall literally put a price breakdown. And man, 
I like it's not worth it. It's not worth it at all. The motor makes plenty of power. You know, every like now after destroying it, you know, and after the rollover, I know how to handle it now. So it's not like like I've learned from this. It was an expensive, annoying mistake, but like. You know, if I roll this thing on the trail again, like, I'm not going to even attempt to start it. I'm going to, or, you know, not without taking the plume off and intake and all that. So that's that was the only downside is that it's just not wheeling friendly in that sense, you know. But converting it would cost me, I mean, so much money. Every I need so much stuff new and would have to re get rebuilt and not worth it. Let's dive into that really quick. So how did you manage to blow it up, rolling it over? When it rolled over, um, you know, usually you, you pull spark plugs, like turn it over, it spits out the oil, like let it sit for a little bit, if anything, and then crank it back up and you're back up and running. Well, on the Hemi intake, the Hemi <laughs> intake is, is a, you know, what makes the Hemi a Hemi, especially on the 6.1 motors, I think also on the 6.4s, but the 6.1s are really bad for it. The intake that is so massive that... A, like you can fit two quarts of oil in there and there it has so many chambers and it has so it's so weirdly designed that the oil will stay in it and as soon as you put it back over and you crank it that oil gets sucked down into your cylinders and it will hydrolock and throw a piston destroy a piston in my case it completely grenaded one um and yeah that was it so but and you can't like one when, when we took it all apart you can literally tell, you can take the intake off, and we had it on a bucket, you know, upside down, just laying there while we were taking the motor out, and t like a day later, we uh, like picked it up, and it still had over a quart of oil in it, like we had to take the plenum off and completely drain it and turn it over and over and over and over to get the oil out of it. So it's literally impossible to really do that on the trail, unless you bring a lot of time and, you know, something to catch a quart of oil with on a really messy way because you have to turn this huge intake over onto on its head and back and forth a million different ways. You're kind of selling LSs right now. <laughs> oh man, I'm telling you, don't do a Hemi for a wheeling rig. I told, I, I've been preaching that ever since. But again, like <laughs> for the money that it would cost me to convert it to an LS, I can buy three more Hemis, man. And yeah. at this point, I've learned my, I, I know what not to do now. You know what I mean? Like my, I just have to accept that my day's over, uh, or at least interrupted for a couple hours. Uh, you know, if I put this thing over onto the side door, and it's, I mean, it was sitting on his, you know, it was on his roof. So, yeah. So, like, worst possible scenario, yeah. oil getting stuck exactly. in your intake. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. That was that. And it's <laughs> running fine now, too, so, you know. See, I love I love hearing this because there is I, – I can name at least three times on trail that my friends have, like, lightly flopped, rolled over, however, but it sat on its side or upside down. And I'm like, yeah, you should probably pull the plugs. Oh, no, 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 it'll be fine, Graham. Dude, if yeah, you have an old you... Chevy 350 or something, no, like, dude, they have so much yeah. tolerance, like, nobody cares. Like, you can totally turn this thing right back over and have a great day. Like, that's just, you know, it's probably because of it's probably because of all the blow by in your 4 yeah. It's totally fine. It just leaks all the oil like, back it, down before you turn it back over. It's all leaked down by the time you turn dude, it on. Like an old clapped out 4.0 or an old Chevy 350, dude, like, I wouldn't hesitate. I would, like, turn yeah. this thing right back over. No problem. <laughs> So perfect. So we're hearing it from Marvin, right? It's Curtis <laughs> taking his plugs out in the four O is just pointless. It was a waste. It depends. No, that's because he has like, 
it, it depends on, on the condition of the yeah, floor. Yeah, I, I get you. A nice one and the rebuild one, and with like you know, uh, it depends. Yeah, it's not worth it, dude. Like, I carry all the no. all the tickets, you know, not it's not that complicated. No, no. so I would just go like, make it's sure. easy enough. It's just <laughs> we give one buddy uh, a, a bunch of crap for it because he he did it right, and uh, the mm -hmm. several of us have not done it right and not had problems. And it's not a reason <laughs> to necessarily yeah. say don't do it, but just a just a tease. Yeah. <laughs> so. If I remember right, it was a uh, newer motor with a freshly rebuilt cylinder head and a new head gasket, and he went to go and start it without doing that and blew the starter off of it. That's oh right, he gosh. did. Yeah. yeah. He's lucky. I feel like that's the easiest of the few answers instead of like bending a rod or, or breaking a rod, yeah. depending on how bad it really is. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, we pulled in the Hemi has 16 spark plugs, so like, it takes a hot minute. To <laughs> so you do all of that, and you let it blow out, and everything's fine, and then you turn it back over, and it ran just fine. But as soon as I like, as soon as the smoke cleared, and I was like, all right, like put it in gear in reverse to like back it off the obstacle. Uh, not even a, a blink of a second. As soon as gravity did its thing, and the oil went out, as soon as the Jeep had any kind of movement, it was. What was that? <laughs> well, that's like worst possible scenario too, because you're not sucking the oil in until the motor's actually moving and doing things, right? That's I mean, the thing because it's just <laughs> like I said, like chambers, like it's just yeah. You know, so you're literally now you have an engine running at you know eight hundred thousand RPM, whatever your idle is, and suddenly yeah. you're in introducing a bunch of oil instead of it being like cranking speed, which uh, can be high, but you're still just relying on the starter to some extent. Right. So it's not yeah. really. That's what caused it to, to leave the chat. So yep. yeah, it was a huge nightmare, honestly. But like because of you know, if it would have been an LS, it might go and put a new one and be done. Not even look at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I got an idea. You fabricate a boot so that way you bring a shot back with you on trail always. Yeah. So it rolls over, <laughs> put it on the boot, and then you just suck suck out what you can because obviously you know if there's any certain valves open, it's gonna drop in. But yeah. here's the kicker. You make another boot because if you have onboard air, you put the compressor to it and force it past the rings. And I'd say that's that, foolproof. There you <laughs> go. Yep. You go right <laughs> in. <laughs> uh, Luke's got a 3D printer. I'm sure we could come up with something. Just not do that anymore. I would, I, I hope at least like, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like we're putting it on like, Putting it over to the side really quick wouldn't even be that big of a deal, but just having it, you know, roll over onto his roof, that was yeah. where the issue came. But again, next time I'll just know, like, pull pull it out, don't even worry about it. I could, uh, honestly, I'm considering um, buying another intake and just having another intake ready to rock and roll at the truck or something, you know, that I can go get and just swap intakes. That's that a work. hell of a hot swap, you know, just swapping an intake side of the trail. I feel like that's a good conversation oh, yeah, piece, like, a little I'm, bit of... We're talking like for something like Helen back or so, like that would if that then like if that happens early, man, like it's totally worth it to like drive back out and like take your take off and come back. Like would really really suck to ruin your you ruin ruin everything just because of something like that you could have just swapped out. And think of the content too, you wearing the pink helmet sitting on the side of the trail oh, yeah. and take. Exactly. I feel like that'd be solid. <laughs> Thank you. Plenty of shit talking being able to said then. <laughs> <laughs>
so, all right so let's let's slide on over i'm sure we're gonna pull questions back to more about you but like that was just the perfect lineup about flex rocks and rollovers why did you start doing it and how do you like what sets you differently than all these other off-road company or pardon me youtube channels that you have grown to such uh fame we'll say or infamy or however you want to word it hmm I, first of all, how I got into it, it was honestly just a Facebook and Instagram outlet for a out my personal wheeling trips with my dad and with friends, you know, to have something to post it on and to share viral off-road content that I found on the internet that I thought was cool, like just as a side, like as a side, like distraction throughout the day that I did on, you know literally just to have something to do uh, at night or whenever I wanted to, to like post off-road stuff and be involved with off-road stuff. Like it really had no real vision when I first started. It was just a page for me, you know, to share some personal wheeling stuff and to share cool stuff that I found online that I wanted to share and like kind of build a community around my vision of wheeling. Like that's basically where the intention came from. It's like how I understand wheeling. Like for me, like I, like, you know, the way flex rocks and rollovers is now with the vehicles and how we build them and how they look and with the kind of riding we do and how we wheel and how we present it that's the that's my off-road that's my vision of off-roading and like it's kind of what it's what it always stood for you know people can uh, like love it or hate it it's just like how i see wheeling in my opinion you know everybody kind of has a slightly different picture of stuff and how you know what defines wheeling for them and how things should be no this is mine that's pretty much what it what it is and what it started off as and then uh the youtube channel literally just came over time because people kept telling me i need a youtube channel and we should totally put this on youtube and people that rode with me or with uh, you know me and my friends uh kept harassing us to put something <laughs> on youtube and we should be we should be throwing this on youtube so that's that's kind of how that all started Wow. And it's, it's grown so much since then. And that is, that must be really cool. Cause like for us, we see just a tiny fraction of what you have seen with your own content. And yeah. I can't even imagine to be where you're at one day where it's just like, I don't know that it's just really cool to think about that. You have created this community from something that you started out as just a fun thing to do. Kind of like us, like we started this as like, just another reason to sit down hang out drink some beers and chat about jeeps exactly and, and for me it was like i had a crazy there was a crazy era of my life where i was like i was like i, I didn't live like i was in the united i lived in the united states for a year in, in manhattan in new york city i'm sorry for a job <laughs> no but like for a job like Back then, I worked in the music industry, so like I lived a completely different life than the life that I live now, and that was kind of like, like I left, I had a foot in the door to like what my passion and my hobby was back home or in general, like even with my dad, you know, in the states. But like to that time, like where I started Flex Rocks and Rollovers, the Facebook page and Instagram page and whatnot, I was in New York City and had absolutely that was my only contact point to it, you know, so. That's pretty much also, that was probably also a reason why I did it to like, you know, have something at least. Yeah, and keep the, the, enter I wouldn't say entertainment, but keep the joy your alive drug, of it. Drug, keep it like, have some sort of freaking uh, connection <laughs> to your drug, you know? Like, yep, really. Yep. So, that's yeah. cool. I didn't, I didn't oh. realize you just sort of started it as a, 
as like an Instagram community page. I mean, you see so yeah, many totally. of those nowadays too. Totally. Uh, super humble beginnings then. Holy crap. Yeah. I still, I'm, I still know my first, like not, maybe not my first, but like, I think my third subscriber on Facebook, like I'm more still Facebook friends. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's super funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was like a community, like you know, bullshitting, yeah. like. But that was before podcasts and any of this existed. So like that was my way. And like I, you know, when I fifth like back when, dude, that was like, you know, that was two thousand ten. Yeah, two thousand ten ish. I also about the same time. Wow. Like, like Facebook was a different place, you know, and the uh -huh. only too. So. Uh -huh. That was Instagram came way later. At first, it was a Facebook page for the yep. longest time. So, so yeah. I remember back in the day, um, like Richie and myself, we would share pictures that Flex Rocks and Rollovers was posting <laughs> back and <laughs> forth as uh, us talking about what we wanted to do when we finally got to go to one tons and this and that. And it's, it's kind of funny because like every once in a while, one of those will pop up in my memories and I'm like, huh, we're here. Yep. Uh, that was always like, you know, kind of a, not my main drive, but always I wanted to inspire people to like build cool shit and like look outside the borders. Like obviously I shared wheeling stuff worldwide. Like I had, you know, subscribe to European pages, but then also, you know, because like with trying to stay connected to wheeling back home, that got me into this whole international cluster. Or you know, so I kind of started really branching out and everything till today. Like, and I think now from like next year on, maybe even towards the end of the year already, I want to really put a uh, another focus on that and like uh, start traveling. Uh, uh f w you know wheeling related but like you know way past the united states or mexico or something and like showcase a little bit of that um that's definitely all of mine and something that i want to now circle back and bring into the youtube channel as well that'd be, that'd cool. be cool yeah definitely just like you know it's not easy to 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 to, re to make happen and uh but I, I hope I hope I can I can pull it off. I really do. I really hope so. I would I would like to. I have a couple of like bucket list events on this planet that I I really really want to see and eventually even be a part of one day. Damn. So okay. So out of all of your events that you post and made into series and different things like that, what is your number one favorite? Helen back by far. Helen back is like my my how do you call it like my brainchild obviously but like it's like the baby from flex rocks roller versus baby helen back is definitely what is most fun and like i mean literally takes the life out of me and like really i <laughs> we put so much work into it but then usually when something like that happens and then the event actually takes place you're kind of nervous or like worried because you know you just put like months six months plus of work and you know th several thousands of dollars into this project and uh but with helen back it's like as soon as you're in the jeep and like okay now we go even though i'm working the whole time i don't care like i'm having the time of my life every single time <laughs> <laughs> oh hell that's the cool thing about how like rain of rocks and all that you know like always stressed me out like to shoot those because it was such a like also such a production just like helen back at the end of the day but like uh, rain of rocks just stressed me out once it happened and helen back i'm like all right let's go Wow. Oh, now, how many uh, Helen Backs have you guys done? 
four. This year will be number five. So that's what we have. We just like, what is it now? Today, when we record this, it is Tuesday. So on Sunday, just a few days ago, we released the first video for the kickoff for this year's Hell and Back, basically, which is the fifth one. And uh, that's why we're doing it a little bit different this year. And we already start talking about it now. Usually, Helen Beck is like a huge secret up until the videos are ready and you know about it like a week before they release. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to turn it around and kind of take everybody on the journey and kind of show what it actually takes to, to put these things on and what all goes in there from like location scouting, which that's what the last video, the first video was about on Sunday. Kind of showing three different locations, Oregon and two different parts of Utah that I uh, flew into and checked out and uh, made sure that it it was or it wasn't Helen back uh, worthy. So that's what it all starts with now. Then now on Wednesday, so for everybody that's now listening to this podcast, it it has already been released. Um, the call out. I am going to call out the people that I think need to be a part of Helen Beck. Uh, so Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, okay. yeah, so that's gonna maybe I don't know. We'll see what happens. Wait, Honestly, wait, it's, like it's a little bit of a ballsy move on my end, but I love it because like people ha- have enough respect <laughs> for Helen Beck, and you know, some like in certain incidents, not at all, not not, not that everybody that I'm gonna invite is like you know huge, you know, a big influence or whatever, but some of them are and. I'm curious what they're going to say because honestly, <laughs> dude, like, you know, I dare you. Come on, man. So, how do you get chosen? Huh? How do you so, get chosen? First of all, I'm going to, like, I'm going to invite them and by calling them out, you know, and then we, uh, the, and this is like a, uh, top secret piece of information that I'm going to drop here now, but uh, we are also going to have a wild card for the first time ever this year. So people will be able to actually sign up for, uh, or apply for Helen Back with like an online form. It's a simple online form that you fill out and then you have an optional second part. And the, the second part of the application is you making a video, uploading it to YouTube and basically applying for it, like telling us like, who are you? What kind of rig do you have? Do a little walk around and maybe, you know, maybe you take us on your favorite trail or you do something mm-hmm. in that video that basically shows us why you should be part of hell and back like and then that's that's awesome everybody gets a chance but like that makes it sure for me also that i don't have to worry (laughs) that this person isn't good for camera or yes so like we have to make sure that you're a cool character that you can talk that you're funny or that you have some sort of like you you have to be some sort of character like something worth watching Um, and that's why tyler does so well yeah exactly somebody like a tyler or even like i mean we've had so many of those people throughout the last couple of years like brandon trump the toyota guy with the toyota in the last helen back in new hampshire yeah i loved him guys like that like that's what i'm looking for that's what we what what we need like people that have passion for like that you can just like you look at and know they're they're loving every second of what's happening here you know passion you can see on their face so you get it on camera yeah, and ass. real hard. And like, you know, it does like dude, that was a very, very, very budget friendly rig with like mm-hmm. you know, it was not a crazy high end vehicle, you know, so it really has mm-hmm. nothing to do with that. But so Yeah. And um, Chris Ayashua in that episode yeah. pushing that JK on forties up the same trails as a rock bouncer. 
So yeah, that, those are like now up until Helen Bank actually kicks off for us as dry, like as Phil in part in terms of like doing it and filming it. Um, this will be like the like the 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 cool thing to see. All right, a who of the people that I call out are actually accepting, you know, mm -hmm. and then maybe like I also have a bunch of Plan Bs or like people that I would also like to see. So we can mm -hmm. go down the line if people decline and dare to not accept this. <laughs> oh, and then B, we have a wild card. So that's going to be also something we'll be you know, talking about a bunch. And like, I want to re start reviewing some of these applications, maybe if they're worth watching. You know, I'm sure people come up with some cool stuff there <laughs> and just make that a thing. And then this wild card thing is probably going to stay with us where you are not just um, applying for Helen back here, but you're applying to be in our pool of people for anything in the future. So like we obviously have other projects planned that are, you know, formats just like Helen back, but they're not Helen backs. They're other different things, different ideas. And we always need people, you know, and it's always something where it's like, man, I wish I had like a, place where it's like hey you know i need somebody in montana that has a rig on so and so inch tires at least okay let me see what we got here you know like that's basically what we're building here now and like everybody that applies becomes part of that pool of people that we can pull from and then the video applications obviously just increase your chance to get seen and to get chosen in that honestly that's such a good call because like you doing the video idea of having them actually have to speak to a camera it's something that we never really thought of but we've invited people on this podcast before where it's like in person they're super bubbly they're amazing they they make everybody laugh like they're extremely fun to chat with you get them in front of a microphone or get them talking on something where you're recording it and they just like shut down and yeah. it not even it's not even like it's almost everybody too like the first hour usually of like our podcasts are usually kind of dead because they're just learning to get comfortable with actually speaking while being recorded and even for that me, is people that i'm friends with you know where i'm or that i've wheeled with three four or five times where i'm like i know this guy was gonna do awesome dude as soon as you put a camera in his face or if I, if like me and a GoPro is always different than a cameraman with a camera, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like my friend, like some of the guys that have been on Helen Beck's or even other events, me and a GoPro, they are totally themselves and funny and like you will, you know, joke around and are cool. But then stranger <laughs> with a big camera set up, like they pull a blank. They just don't want to talk, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, and also like GoPros, yes, they're getting better nowadays. But back then it's like, what's that good for? Like an Instagram clip? It's like you yeah. want those people to be good for the actual like Correct. Uh, good content. So I mean, definitely understand completely why you do that. And that's actually... And it's not a must. Like, I'm not saying that only then you get chosen. You know what I mean? Like, you might be in the right state with the right rig to the right time. Like, and it, like, yeah. so next year we are going to have a lot more opportunities for people to join us. And, like, I will exclusively be pulling people out of the pool that we create with this application. So mm -hmm. the FRR wildcard. So that, that thing will become a thing throughout and will always be a part. And maybe we get cool like maybe if somebody submits a, a application in a vehicle that is just like completely out of this world and we need to show this like maybe we create something new with him and go you know interview him and show his rig you know you never know what yeah. you're getting so like for me this is just i can't wait to see what people are going to submit <laughs> i'm super super excited about this and uh yeah 
This, well, I mean, if you look at like Hoonigan, one of Hoonigan's biggest video ideas was them doing interviews with guys with cars. Like they were like a that, yeah. Um, granted, they don't do it anymore. Was sadly because you know they have to change yards and all that whatnot. But they were not that big of a YouTube channel. Like yeah, they obviously had their uh, Jim Connors and all of that. But their build series and all that weren't that big until they started doing the. I forget what they called it. The daily something. Daily I know what it was. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I've watched them too. So, like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's exactly what so, it is. So, even something like that, granted, it would be a pain in the balls, especially if you would have to travel to the people or your camera crew or they would have to travel to you. Yep. That'd be a mess. But even if it's like a like a once a week thing and you just throw in a random video, that's not a bad idea to keep those wild cards in that rotation too. Absolutely, absolutely. And I travel a lot, dude, and I have so many downtime days. You know, where I where it's just nothing going on. Like I can use that so well to meet people in days where I have nothing going on. You know, because I'm just, you know, I it, this will be this will be really really powerful for us like we will discover a lot of really cool people with that cool vehicles unique stories and we will be able to uh bring those people into our events such as hell and back and you know whatever else we're going to come up with in the future so that's going to be huge and hell and back like i said is going to be the kickoff for all this again for the first time ever we're going to call out people and see who is actually up for the challenge and is up to take something like that on and um the wild card and then like i said i've released the the trail or at least i've shown the three trails that i have pre-ran um in our latest youtube video and um yeah it's pretty i feel like we have we may have the best trail ever so we may have the best Ooh. lineup we've ever had we may have the best trail that we've ever had and now we also can bring in a subscriber with a wild card so uh, this year the big number five for us is going to be on a different level, I think. <laughs> Damn, well, that's exciting. Um, yeah. Now, out of all four that you've done, which has been your favorite? Regardless, I mean, actually, add it all in, every aspect. Which one has been your favorite to be, you know, to Arizona. produce and put out there? Arizona, I would say. The one in Arizona, I think, is the most memorable. Like, the one, I've, I always said Oklahoma because I personally like the environment in Oklahoma a notch better with all the water and you're in the trees. It's just more my vibe. But overall, when I think of video, when I think of people, like, or overall group dynamic uh, and how everybody interacted and just probably one of the best wheeling trip or probably the best wheeling trip of my life was probably the arizona one i have to say like everybody that was there will even confirm and like nobody will ever forget that trip like <laughs> that was so epic even off camera you know like or way more epic off camera than it was on camera honestly as it always is so, yeah <laughs> and it was really epic on camera already so like mm -hmm. that that will forever like definitely be that and like by close second i would say is oklahoma and then uh man it's really tough because the last one in new hampshire was really cool too so i don't know it it also changes over time you know but right now i would say arizona takes the throne and but again this one now man who i'm i'm i can't wait to see the responses of the people like if if they're actually going to commit and say yes i'm going to do this and i'm going to partake and then again, the trail that I pre-rendered, the trail that I found, only about 
five i think five or six people have ever been up the trail and even less have finished it so oh it's like my brand God. New. it's like no new new it's like you drive on the side of you drive up a mountain on the side of a mountain through a canyon like and it's <laughs> so freaking cool like it's like 0.9 miles and has over 30 obstacles so Holy it's like shit. it's just like scenery changes two or three times the more you gain elevation and That's it's cool. just like world class rock crawling like it's completely insane. You would totally say buggy trail, but not buggy trail because you need rear steer to get around something or something like buggy trail because it's just brutal. Like, but it's not. I don't know. I didn't see a reason why we couldn't do this you know like if your equipment holds together and you're enough of a driver you can probably push a rig a full body non-rear steer rig through this but it will take a lot it will take everything whoever finishes that trail uh, can definitely clap themselves on the shoulder like this is the most brutal trail we've ever had like and that's why i want to do it like it is manageable like you go up and then you don't it's a lot and it's really really hardcore but it's not like it's not life-threatening dangerous or something you know like arizona was in a few in a few uh sequences like there were a few moments that was definitely the sketch level was definitely through the roof and way above where it should be but um yeah we make up for that with just pure pure amount of like just insane wheeling this year so how do you come up with places like that, though? Like, how, how do you find these new, like, super amazing trails that no one has heard about? Word on the trail, my friend. Like, literally, like, I don't know. Like, just talking to people and, like, having an, eye, an ear for it. Like, if something pops up, like, I'll just start digging. Like, do you have videos of that? Do you have a name? Do you have this? Do you have that? And then start research. I, I type in my phone start researching. So, uh... And just like hanging out, like I'm, you know, I get around a lot and hang around with people, and just always ask people, like, what's your favorite place to wheel, or like, what do you think is the best, most brutal place you've ever been? Like, I don't know. I ask questions and try to get like get around and ask people in different areas. Like, when I was in San Hollow the last time, right around the time for the Wrecker Games, when I was there to like help host the Wrecker Games, Matt's offered recovery. Like, I was there with a bunch of buggy guys that hung out there throughout the days. And they started talking about this place that they always wanted to, or like that they went and that is just absolutely insane. And I just picked up on it and then kept in touch with them. And then one thing led to another. We didn't even end up taking that trail that we discussed there. But because of that trail, I flew out to check out that trail. And while I was in the area, literally just driving around with a rental car, checking out the trail that they talked about. I found another trail, and that's the trail we're going with now. So it's like one. Like, I put a lot of work into this. Like again, f flying from Atlanta to Las Vegas, getting a rental car, driving three, four hours through the desert by myself, meeting people <laughs> I've never met, walking trails <laughs> with them, or them, or they take their buggies on a random Tuesday, and like three of their friends <laughs> drive. You know, one of the most brutal trails in the country, just casually on a Tuesday because this dude flies in that wants to take. <laughs> bodies through it like it's pretty insane like when i did that trip like i i had one scouting trip after koh uh up in the pacific northwest and then i just recently did another one to utah 
that's the one I was just talking about. Like it's just mm. it's so strange. Like you do this, and you're like, I'm out here to look at rocks. Like I drive around <laughs> and I walk through canyons and I look at rocks and I speculate if I could get a bunch of like off-road people, influencers, <laughs> whatnot, in their jeeps through this. Like it's so absurd, but I'm glad I did it. Like I really wanted to cancel this trip a few times because i've just ever since this just feels so stupid like even without a rig you know just meeting strangers that talked about this trail and then walking trails and or like i said in the in one case even them bringing out their rigs and inviting other friends on a random tuesday and running a trail from eight nine in the morning till six o'clock in the evening and beating the hell out of their rigs I don't know. That doesn't sound stupid to me. That sounds like, no, like some serious is. commitment, and like totally. I have some a lot of respect for that. Like to be able to take the time to fly out somewhere just to look at it to see if it's yeah. what you want. Like, I mean, there's there's, an, there's so a, much on the line. Like uh, yeah. at the end for me, like so much. Also, I'm so proud of it every time that I don't want to imagine you invite all these people. You travel that far. And, like, you hit a trail and you hype this crazy Helen back thing up and then you hit it and it's, like, freaking boring, you know? Or just, like, one of the trails that I scouted um, was the uh, was exactly, like, my worst-case scenario. Um, it was just a little bit off. Like, it had, it was four miles long, which is not ideal with the, with a camera crew because the mm -hmm. depth, like... You have to get in and out every now and then that takes up time and so on and so forth. So it was a little bit too long and the hard stuff didn't start until about 30, 50% into the trail. So like you have hours of just annoying obstacles where you need rear steer just because it's really tight, not because it's really hard or you diff out on every other rock, you know, like just stuff like that. It's just like, it's not like you need rear steer, but not because it's really hard, just because it's tight and because you diff out a lot. Like that would have mm -hmm. been, imagine you, and that was the trail that everybody hyped up first and was like, you have to see this. That was the reason why I flew out there. And then you spend a day with a bunch of buggies on this trail and you're like, oh my God, if I do a Helen back here, I'm screwed. Like it doesn't work. <laughs> great trail if you just go out with your buggies uh, buddies riding but like for me like you can't have a video series where the the fun stuff comes 35 minutes into the video like nobody's going to watch that like you need something that is i don't know it just yeah, didn't you need work. a hook right you need yeah, something exactly. to start with. and it it looked like it looked the exact same from start to finish like everything really looked alike and like yep. i said all the hard stuff was more annoying because it was too tight or you diff out or you need there's a big undercut that you need a 47 inch tire for or something to clear you know we don't have that so just annoying stuff and i'm glad i flew out there to call no on that trail and then i was able to figure out a new trail that is now maybe the best trail we've ever done so Ooh, so and we don't have to get into specifics but you are going with the 0.9 mile trail Yes, point nine mile trail in also in Utah. I've already said that. So it's oh, okay. In, I just I didn't want to get into it just uh, in case yeah, you have uh, it. <laughs> we like it looks like the town where it's in is cool and wants to promote four wheeling in the area where we can actually share exactly where this trail is and people can start running it. So it's currently I'm I Ooh. like I've it was verbally confirmed with me, but I need that <laughs> written form before yeah. I. I'm gonna need that in writing. <laughs> so, so with 
so with running this YouTube channel and going across all over the country, what is like one of the biggest like uh, leaps of faith that you've had to do, uh, whether it's like relying on your community or relying on just hoping that something was going to work out well? Man, that's that's a that's, that's, it's a constant like hoping the jeep stays together it's like one of them you know like you spend so much money to get out like helen beck is one thing because there's a bunch of other people too but like we've had so many productions already for videos planned where i'm the you know it's it's all about me in that case or in, or in my jeep and then you know what do you do if the jeep breaks down first thing or you have a full weekend planned with your friends from like wheeling from thursday till tuesday and five hitting five different spots and you already have hotels and all of this and then your shit breaks first day like that's the kind of stuff like you know that it happens and it's frustrating that's, that's, you take a faith every single time you plan something like that 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 happens it, it really is i feel like nine times out of ten even for just like a like a normal off-roading trip where you're you're traveling an okay distance somewhere like there's there's gonna be something that's a leap of faith right something's never yeah, uh, 100% squared away as you want it in your head, right? right. And the hell ever... in general, like, the yeah. way I do content, look at how I do content, like, when you look at, let's say, Mr. Beast, yeah, random, or just any random, like, you know, YouTuber, like, mm -hmm. these guys, they have, they can come up with these specific ideas of how they create their video and how they you know i can't plan my videos like in that sense if i want to make those kind of videos <laughs> no. i can't plan how a hell and back goes down and what happens and who looks good at the end and who doesn't you know <laughs> like it's really like you have to leave a lot of things up to the to, you know to to freaking god to see what happens yeah, like, yeah it's a nice idea. role you have no idea what, what's going to happen and you just put all of your money on the line and, you know, make this the biggest highlight of your year, make most work that went into it. And you have sponsors and partners lined up for it, waiting for this like next banger to come out, you know, but honestly, <laughs> when you go in, you have no idea what's about to happen. Like this can be the shit show of a lifetime <laughs> and everything can be ruined. Like, you don't know. <laughs> I feel like the shit shows would get like nice clickbait, you know. You just right. you could just milk the <laughs> shit out of it. Unexpected a... monsoon rain or something where like it's so bad that you can't film. Like, what do you do? Like, you yeah, that's how you get that clickbait title from another two days. Like, sorry. That's actually a good yeah. point too. I mean, how what do you guys do in a rain? Like in a situation like that. Like, uh, let's just put an example: Field and Forest. I know Field and Forest is a very like every single weekend they have an event going on if it was a rain out what do you do for the like the fourth annual hell and back i honestly don't want to think about that <laughs> no like there's nothing i can do about it like there's only we talk about it every single time you know and like if i catch it early on i would don't i would basically can't like if i can see a week in advance dude it's a hundred percent chance of rain and there's like every day around it is also going to be rain like i'm willing to take a risk but at a certain point like try to call it off and reschedule it you know and swallow mm -hmm. at least the little cost that you've already had but you at least don't have to pay, eventually not pay your camera team the full amount but just a yeah. part you know like you can keep your cost down by canceling it last minute and making a smart call last minute but that's all you can do but like our guys are pretty tough man those the care the media team behind this are they're like the real heroes of hell and back and they would pull through like none like they would all they would put like a freaking ramble bandana on their forehead and freaking go go fight in the rain they don't care 
<laughs> like it's just one more challenge at this point. What is it? Like, come on! Like, imagine doing like those guys when we when we have a trail that's like point nine miles. They average walking around eleven miles that in those twenty four. Wow! Jesus Christ! I believe. Like in in the hillside, you know, on big rocks and climbing and with equipment in your hands. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of stuff do you have to do to support those guys? Huh? What do you have to do to like support those guys? I mean, it's got to have a crazy amount of logistics that go yeah, into absolutely. it. Absolutely. Like we have somebody that runs laptops with hard drives and does backups and char keeps batteries charged and organizes equipment you know non-stop like we in some on during some hell and vex we even had dedicated media vehicles like that were completely made for that like that had uh, uh what's it called um um that had uh inverters all over it for battery charging and had a power tank on board and tools and all kinds of like pelican boxes for equipment and lights and uh all kinds of big battery boxes and it was like you know pretty crazy a little work desk that folds out where the laptop can go on where you can have your hard drives that were running all night long to back up footage freaking <laughs> crazy and then obviously like a team of four guys usually it's four cameramen and one photographer plus again wow. the guy that runs and helps with the data and the and the equipment and all that it's it's a freaking workload man it's hardcore what do so, you guys shoot? What quality do you guys shoot in? Like what frame rate? Oh, it's all 4K 60 frames per second. So oh. we shoot. Nice. 60 so, frames like, for this kind of stuff we found is the best for any kind of fast moving action content, you know? Mm -hmm. Luke, go ahead. <laughs> so, how do you get the camera crew out there? Do. I'm going to assume that they walk, uh, I know you said they walk 11 miles, but like, that's got to be a lot trying to carry some of the equipment out there. Yeah. Or like, what do you do at a park like AOP where, for example, in the uh, Reign of Rocks, you're out at Little Caesars. Did you guys just run like an equipment train on the greens out there to get everything yeah. there? Or Yeah, we, 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 we just drove ahead, like, you know bunch of jeeps everybody carried something and like drove it out there and then in front of the hills we had a little like in the corner we had a little setup where like coolers with with water and the timers and you know camera equipment like in big boxes all that was there and on something like that like we don't always have like drop off stations and whatnot that's only really necessary for like 24 hours but for rain or rocks we just bring enough uh sd cards you know so like it, it, yeah. On Rain or Rocks, we just carried carried everything out on the hill. That's how we did it there. And then, like the the guys fly in, like they come from South Carolina, Atlanta, Nashville, you know, or Murfreesboro area, and we fly them, fly them wherever we need them, and then obviously wine and dine them and pay them well and sweet talk them that this is going to be another great adventure but like everybody you know for, for all of us like we're a good crew at this point and love like love doing it it's it's fun wow and i'm sure at this point they know what they're getting into totally this year we have a little bit of a change up honestly for the first time ever where uh we have a little bit of a change in our camera crew we're bringing some new people on board but uh they are super skilled very experienced have a really good like they're just a good vibe overall i think it will do the show really really well and the people that basically kept everything together and like really like ran the show so to say 
um, they are staying, like the really crucial people uh, that we've had in the past, that they are all staying. So we're adding to it. I'm excited for it. This will be again like best scenario. Again, uh, the the one like I know for sure this is one of the best trails we've ever had. Maybe the best re trail we've ever had. And if the people that we I call out accept, dude, I this is the recipe for success, man. For a really really good show. For a really really good show. I hope that um, people are going to be excited for it and, uh, you know, take on the challenge. So since you're letting everybody know tomorrow, does that mean we might get a little sneak peek on who you're most excited to call out for this this year's Let event? See. So this releases on a Thursday. So then tomorrow, yeah, right. For you guys tomorrow, you will, uh, you will know. Yeah. Right. Cool. If he says I, mean, so. I, don't, I don't want to put one person out that I'm most excited. It's the combination of all of them. Like, literally. You know, it's not one specific character that I'm more excited about than, than all the other ones. It's mm -hmm. more of, like, those people that I've got uh, in the combination. Man, crazy. Crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy. So... <laughs> so like yeah, I mean the video will be out by the time that this airs, so it's not even Correct. we don't even need to make a big deal about it. People can go watch it. I won't won't spoil all of them because you have to go over to our channel, Flex Rocks and Rollovers, and watch the whole thing. But it's a few people, a few returning VIPs that we've had over the years, like people like Holly, for example, that might mm -hmm. will have make an mm -hmm. appearance, uh, even with you know the long time out that she has to have. Now, we're feeling pretty good about the fact that uh, this might be the first thing that she can do again and where she can participate in after her injury. I really want to see people like the Fab Rats, Paul from the Fab Rats. His FJ is like he wields the hell out of this thing. And I'm really, I would love to see him take this, uh, take on a Helen back. And then obviously, man, somebody that I really, really wanted uh, want to see on a Helen back is the Peck Brothers. Okay. So, yeah, like just to name a few, like, but also, I mean, I got people like Ian Johnson on my list. Mm, okay. Uh, that was part of the Helen back in Oklahoma, and now he has a bomber chassis that he just finished, and that he is itching to find out where its limits at. So uh, that would be really cool to see. So man, I got, I got a, I got a bunch on there, Mister Bleepin' Jeep. Colt and uh, Colt and Matt. I don't know in which rig they would come. The rear steer Sammy or the rear steer freaking XJ. Either or <laughs> would be cool. They got the right rigs for it for sure. Yep. Yeah, just to name a few. Just to name a few, man. It's it's going to be pretty red. I'm curious what they're going to like. How they're going to react to it. How often are you partnering up with other YouTube channels to do like combined? content because i'm in atlanta <laughs> like i'm literally i don't know like i obviously i try where i can because we're all actually friends like i think this is the only community where all like everybody in the media influencer youtube department is actually friends with each other like i feel like coming from the music industry and whatnot like everybody wants to stab everybody in their back and everybody talks bad about everybody it's actually not the case i feel like in our community which is really nice but we've lived really far apart from each other, you know, so um, that's what puts a damper on most of these uh, collaborations, for me at least. If I'd live in San Hollow, like, you know, easy peasy, I would have, I would do a lot more. But due to the fact that I'm, you know, in Atlanta, like Matt Bleepin' Jeep and I do stuff every once in a while. Not as much as we should probably, 
Uh, but I was recently on his Bleep and Jeep Versus. Like I did that with him. That's on his channel, like on his on the Bleep and Jeep Versus channel now. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Um, and then Busted Knuckle was with me on Hellenback, you know. But like other than those two, it's not really anybody here around me. Luna and Marlon from Offroad and Chill, of course. But like we don't like again. We'll see. We'll see what we do. Uh, and then for twenty twenty four, we'll do a Hellenback on the East Coast again, obviously, and then see who who we can pull for that but now since we are in utah i want to get all of those guys and more like people that are not from there like leap and jeep i would love to see but then also like people that are you know like uh rudy's adventure and design uh mischief maker um fab rats all people like even the peck brothers aren't too far from utah than idaho i think so mm-hmm. it just it, it will be an awesome opportunity to see all of those big guns uh out on the trail with us uh, doing hell and back yeah i mean i agree too especially like with 24 hours of wheeling the whole time like you're bound to break people down and actually see potentially see a side of them that the camera normally doesn't see so that could be very exciting as well things start getting a little weird when you've been awake for that long too <laughs> that's 100 what it is exactly. <laughs> not like and you have to stay in such a camera like this is a camaraderie effort like you're yeah. not finishing a hell and back by yourself like you know so you are dependent on everybody the entire time too. Like it's like you you have to make it work. You have to like it's it's a really it's it's an it's an awesome dynamic. Helen Beck's. I've never had a Helen Beck that I wanted to end, and I don't think I I think I can speak for most uh, that it's always been like that. That you have um, you don't even like it doesn't matter what time it is. Like you have a good time, and because the trails are short and super 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 intense the entire time you're barely ever getting tired because like you just you're staying busy the whole time biggest like helen bank rule number one is do not stay in your vehicle like as soon as you if it's late at night or early in the morning and stuff's going on and you're just chilling in your seat and you just yeah let them do whatever like if you're not if you're staying in your rig you're dying that's it like that <laughs> shooting yeah. yourself in the foot. stay out of your rig partake help out spot winch you know, bring a water to do something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've been up for some fairly decent periods with like uh trail trash in them because they go all night when they do the meet and beat. Um, something three a.m. Yeah, when yeah, stuff wait, again waiting for parts. Uh, to, I told you guys earlier, my year has been nothing but waiting for parts, and again that weekend i wanted to be there and again i couldn't because waiting for parts you missed a good one uh the, uh, 3 a.m meet so and beat weird one you meant the meet and beat right yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. That's, i was, yeah, trying I was to make it out there but couldn't because waiting for parts yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's that weekend was a was a riot i mean it's 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 a it, the past i guess both times the first time we went there it was it was sort of a, we didn't wheel as much, but it was just because we were just go, go, go for a whole bunch of other reasons. But this yeah. year I went by myself. Like I, and Luke was there for a little bit. It wasn't, so there wasn't a ton. And I just hung out with those guys and, and wheeled and broke and then fixed it and uh, then wheeled again until I couldn't anymore pretty much. And <laughs> like, it, it was just, that sort of stuff's always a blast. For um, sure. I want to do something like that too, and like maybe I would like to work with the trail trash, or not work, but like just go wheel with the trail trash guys some more. Like they're they're cool guys, just don't they're have. They're awesome. Like, 
we for some we're really close to each other, but our ways we actually don't cross that often. But totally would be down for more with those guys too. There, I want to do something like a like an event like that as well at some point, like at Morris Mountain. But I just haven't had the time. I just can't find the time. One day, if I find a good uh, um, helper, whatever partner, whatever you want to call somebody in the business that can. Uh, take stuff off my plate, man. Then you will see a Flex Rocks and Rollovers event like that, or you know, where we take over a park and actually do something. I want to do that so bad, but uh, I'm pretty much by myself, other than Yanni that helps with the editing and post production stuff. Um, it's just too much, man. I can't, yeah, too much stuff right now. I believe it. Um, even just setting up the event that we're doing, we've got one at Good Evening Ranch. Uh, first week of september that weekend that's become a decent bit of running around and just keeping track of everything and trying to figure out who's actually going is a lot especially for like the the rentals and stuff right they've got cabins so it's uh yeah it's uh it you know it gets tricky because as as you probably know when you're trying to plan something maybe probably not with your 24 hours of hell and back guess hopefully not but like when you're trying to plan a trip and you're planning it way in advance it's uh sometimes tough to keep the head count consistent oh man that's an insane if I, I i yet have to have a hell and back where not somebody essential cancels like 48 hours before the event it's always the case every single yep. time and usually your main camera guy or somebody that you were really banking on that's irreplaceable yeah. <laughs> uh, without fail yeah. <laughs> something happens when it comes time to planning this out how do, do you just call the park up and say hey i want to do this this weekend or this trail yeah. i want to do it this weekend pretty much like i reach out to the parks or like the west coast places obviously aren't parks um so the West Coast place I you know get with locals like people that either recommend me to the place or a shop that's nearby or you know other YouTubers in the area. Um, but yeah, usually like when it comes to parks, I contact them and then work it out with them, and they usually recommend a trail guide. If I don't have already have one, you know they know the guys that know the park inside and out, and that you know can help and that are up for a challenge. So that was the case and uh, at. Um, in New Hampshire at Field and Forest, you know, uh, the owner was so nice. Bob was so nice to, um, Bob's a good dude, awesome guy, man. But like, he connected me to like his best guys, basically, uh, <laughs> Paul and Eugene, um, to trail guide and basically spot and be part of it. And that was a really, really amazing experience. I mean, that they, they went uh, so far, um, beyond anything that that you could actually do to help us it was crazy it was really really just the greatest experience ever but like we've always been really lucky with those people like whoever is involved in that case like arizona bronson from rec gear was our trail guide you know that's how we that's how we met and um same thing man like one of the greatest guys one of my best friends like that i have in wheeling like amazing amazing guy so just all through trail guiding Helen Bax. So on the note of Bob, he's one of the people that was like, you should hit up Marvin and see if he wants to come oh, yeah? on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Bob's like our biggest supporter. He gives us the best guest suggestion. I mean, not that you weren't 
somebody who we were thinking about talking to, but I feel like when Bob says we should talk to somebody, we move a lot faster. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, dude, that, that's really cool to hear. Yeah, I want to go back to Field and Forest and actually wheel and, uh, you know, just spend a weekend up there and wheel and have fun. It's just, it's a far drive, man. That's 20 plus hours. Yeah. Yeah. Hours. When we drove up there, it almost felt like a trip to the West Coast, but you were still East Coast. It's crazy. <laughs> It's really, really cool, but like beautiful, and I really want to. I really want to go back. So, and again, the people that were out there helping us trail, uh, trail guiding, uh, phenomenal. Like, so everybody involved there and everybody around Field and Forest, just phenomenal people. Yep, we've actually had uh, we've had Paul on the podcast before. Oh hell yeah, yeah. We've, yeah. I mean, we've. I mean, uh, and I think we mentioned we started the podcast because we were doing it really to just talk about off-roading ship but you know it sort of evolved into giving some of the east coast you know new england guys uh a, a little bit of a platform or at least like you a know, spotlight a spotlight to talk right so that yeah. potentially if anybody i mean not a ton of people listen to a bunch of podcasts it's not really a a medium that's applicable to everybody but a lot of people do listen to it and from various places and and then you get to get a taste of what some of the really hardcore off-roaders in New England are like and <laughs> you know sometimes we get these guys going and there's a ton of there's smart dudes everywhere but there's a lot of smart dudes in New England that I think a Absolutely. lot of people otherwise wouldn't you'd never even know they existed because a lot of say, a lot of commitment too like oh passionate up there right people are really really involved in the yep, community it's, it has to be. That's it's. It's just because we don't have, right? There's not a lot of public land. There's almost no public land like you guys have in you know down in in the south and out west. Was, oh, here everything is private, but like the public okay. land is out west. Everything in the southeast is private property. Yep, like yep. or very like ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah, private oh, property. So but it's similar to us. It's almost yeah. yeah. It's similar, but you. It's a park still, right? Right. It's a private everything park. Parks, like you know, you pay like. Or you have to buy a permit somewhere, you know, like it's not just BLM like on the West Coast. Like what we yep, can wheel, yep. like, you know, what we wheel now for Helen back this year, man. It's just BLM land. It's literally just there. And like somebody decided one day to walk it up and down and was like, yo, if we do this, this, and this, this is actually be a wheelable trail. And then they did that, you know. And now the town is like, yo, four-wheeling brings money into the town and good people and, you know, it's a good attitude. So uh, why not start promoting that? <laughs> it's just crazy. And it's That's literally crazy. like, you, know, you just go. Yep. That's something that blew my mind. Was I, a few of my friends from California, they were like explaining to me where they'll just be driving down a road and they could just turn off the road onto, as long as it's a designated trail, yep. you could just turn off and just go explore. It's like around yep. here, you turn off trail and you're expecting somebody to be chasing you with a shotgun. Like, it just yep. doesn't even make sense. It's crazy. Exactly. And that, that's the cool thing about out there that that is all possible. You know, it's just always a matter of do we talk about where it's at or do we not? Because their problem is, and that's how it was explained to me when we did the Arizona Helen back. It's like, you know, it's a legal spot to wheel, but like, like it, legally, you can totally be there. The thing is just if you put it on the internet, too many people see it, the wrong people see it. And get in there, get stuck, break their stuff. Park ranger has to come pull them out, or somehow you know there's damage done to the trail. Some sort of, like for some whatever reason, the ranger has to get involved, and that costs the government money. And bam, the trail shut down. That's like yep. the circle of life. So like 
you know, we respect that more than anything if somebody is actually willing to introduce us to their wheeling hotspot, you know, like we don't like we we make super super sure that we do not uh you know, spoil or like tell people where the spot is unless we are told to and it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Which is obviously way cooler. Like I would love to see videos and get tagged and pictures and whatnot in the future where people hit that Helen Backsrail that we're driving this year, you know, that would be so cool. That would be exciting. We're slowly experiencing that with like one of our last local trails. Is that it's always been around. It's been around for a very long time, but for like some reason now it's just more and more and more people are going, which is cool because like back a few years ago, I when I used to go, I would only ever see like hikers and then Jeeps. Nowadays we're seeing guys with RCs out there. We're seeing guys with like mountain bikes and it's really cool that like multiple multiple people are using it, but then as you said, it brings unwanted attention to that property and there is sadly one pond like if you were an idiot you would just go up the road like the center section of this trail and yeah. that pond is in the center section and like that is one of the leading factors on this place being potentially shut down one day is that there's a sanctuary for frogs in this exact pond and it's like the last frogs ever known of mankind in this that's pond exactly and how it so, goes that's so when you drive your wrangler on 35s through it and squish all the frogs then you got a problem and that's how we get the place shut down for and it's frogs. salamanders and i just wanted to correct myself because i know probably <laughs> six other people are going to it's salamanders not frogs i was just making an example all right hey, that, that's literally as far as i know how teleco back in the days got shut down so, like some endangered species that they found, and then here we are a couple of years later. It's freaking getting, it's getting, uh, the it's like a lumber company moved in and made everything into gravel parking lots. <laughs> yeah. Oh jeez. So, yeah, it's brutal. They do that, and then they let them just destroy it, and somehow that's better. Yeah. Well, Not, then they uh, put, then they build housing. You know, they build housing for low income. Yeah. So then it <laughs> gotta build up because you can't build out anymore. Mm -hmm. Um but all right, so you've been all over the East Coast, or, or not East Coast, probably you've been all over the United States wheeling, right? For the most part, yeah. At this point, like there's still states that I haven't been to for sure. And play like but like yeah, overall I've been pretty much all over. So where's your favorite? If you could move today and start and just wheel only that area for the rest of your life, where would it be? Who I really don't know. I think Oklahoma, like for, as of right now, like the wheeling in Oklahoma, right around like Rugged Mountain Ranch and Clayton and all that area, seems to be the coolest. But I haven't seen a whole bunch of it. I've done Helen back there, you know, and we've done one trail. But like, I've done a lot of research, and it looks like everything there is like that between those two parks that are fairly close to each other, like. I think that was the favorite kind of wheeling because you had East Coast terrain, trees, water, you know, a little bit, but like West Coast traction, just an ungodly amount of traction, but you are in like, you know. But East it looks pretty. It doesn't yeah, look like it's not, pretty. A, yeah. it's not just rocks. And not humid, <laughs> but like, you know, you're not dying like you're at AOP or Windrock and you're just mm -hmm. completely covered in sweat. It was a happy medium. It wasn't quite West Coast, but it wasn't terrible. Uh, so for me, like, and the rock, like, just again, like the obstacles, the rocks, the style of wheeling out there, like, really, really loved it, really enjoyed it. I've seen and, the pictures from parks out there. It, it's yeah. really pretty. 
Rugged Mountain Range and Clayton, I think those are like the two that, uh, from my research, that are fairly similar and like just have a really cool, like, I like the terrain, I like that. But honestly, I like where I'm at. Like, I wouldn't, honestly, wouldn't, like, that's an area that I really like, but I don't think I would trade where I'm at. Because, like, I have AOP, Windrock, and like so many other places. Like, I would say in a three to four hour driving radius, I have like 10 off road parks around me or off road opportunities. Not all parks necessarily, but places I can wheel. And like, that's hard to read. Yeah. That's, I mean, we kind of, we slightly get that up here, but it's dwindling. I mean, it genuinely is like a lot of these private places are closing down, but I mean, shit, 10 in four, like three to four hours. That's pretty damn good. The longer I live here, the more places that pop up. I was like, yeah, dude, I've never heard of this place. Like, you know, like small stuff, like, but cool. Good enough for a day or a weekend. Like, you know, really cool. Yeah. Not everything off road parks, but enough even like off road parks. So I like it. I like the southeast a lot. Like I'm again I give West Coast wheeling its credit. I don't like the like I don't like all of it, but there's sure also some that I really enjoy. But overall I like I like East Coast wheeling. I love AOP. It's my favorite park that I've been to. Yeah, I have a love hate relationship with that <laughs> park and really do. I have never been to a place with less traction in my life. And like it's really <laughs> Like if it if 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 it rained there within the last ten days, dude, just no. I I'm not. Like, <laughs> it, I just got back, so like last weekend, me and my dad went to AOP, and uh, wanted to just just the two of us just wanted to go wheel, and literally on the first obstacle, nothing crazy. I like that. Uh, I, I broke broke something on the jeep that I've been repeatedly breaking. That again is a manufacturing issue or just a wrong measurement that was repeatedly done wrong. I don't want to say on what, but anyways, I was out really quick and then just jumped in my dad's Jeep and we wheeled his Jeep for the rest of the day and just beat their shit out of this thing just to make it through that park. And it was, I think it rained the day before. So it was just like, you don't, you don't drive over a pebble or without skinny pedal. Like it's crazy. You have to stand on it the entire time to make it anywhere. I love that park. Don't get me wrong, but it's really annoying when it's wet. When it's dry, it's awesome. It's sprinkled for like, like we're not not even rain. We're talking a light dusting of rain for maybe an and hour. On a rock and you're done. Like, <laughs> the lightest, the lightest dusting you could possibly have, and it was just a, it was a mess. You couldn't get up anything. I I I blew my track position sensor? sensor out of yeah cam sensor. That's one. Oh, the other Jesus. one. <laughs> the cam sensor blew out of this stupid thing. Damn. Yeah, I mean, I've been to AOP, I don't know, 15, 20 times probably at this point. I love the place, but it's also, like, you break, like, we've had a lot of really unnecessary breakage just because of, like, the constant beatdowns you have to put on. It's usually never really dry. Like, the days that AOP is dry are very short. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen too often. Yeah, no, I love all of it. Like, I, but I do, I do like, like it. I like Harlan a lot, man. I like um, the sand mines in Tennessee. I enjoy for like a good day ride. But like Morris Mountain in Alabama, I really like. That's like the one of the closer places for me. It's like an hour and fifteen minutes. I'm at Morris Mountain. Hawk. We went to Hawk Bright not too long ago. That was like on the four hour mark. I think I went drove just just about four hours to Hawk Bright. Man, there's so much around here. There's so much gulches in South Carolina, which I've never been to, but it's supposed to be pretty good. That's on the list for me. Yeah. I gotta get out to gulches. Yeah, never made it out there, but it's pretty cool. 
Um, yep, somebody's out that way. I don't know. There's plenty of wheeling around here. I'm definitely not. It's not getting old. I I did fall in love with Pacific Pacific Northwest when I was out there earlier this year, just from the scenery and like you know, I kind of dig the style of wheeling with all the mud that they have. You know, it's kind of like East Coast on like it's just a different different level. Yeah, that's something that I've always been impressed about with uh, Northwest. It's just it genuinely seems like just a ton of a ton more mud than most other like rock crawling guys. Like, yeah, but so it's I see, at least. somewhat technical. Like you're not mud bogging. Yeah. Like you're yeah. you're in freaking you're, the mud goes to your hood, but it's still technical. Like you're still on a trail. Like it's like I don't know. Like yeah, it's not like you're in a Florida marsh. Like no, you're actually. You're actually on a trail. You're actually doing stuff. You're actually trying to overcome obstacles. Like it's cool. It's I, I dig it. And like the a couple of friends from up there took me to LB Hills for a night ride. I just rode passenger with a buddy. And dude, we had one of the best nights. It was so much fun. It was like so different from what I was used to, and so much fun. It just looks so beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> it's just cool. so far away. I know. So, and that's why like, I wonder. I really, like, I really made some good friends out there, and I really fell in love with the area. But bro, that's a haul. Like that's a far drive. And I, I, I scouted out a trail for Helen back in Oregon. That was the first one, and I was almost kind of afraid that I would love it because it's so far. <laughs> it didn't work out. It wasn't the. It was not suited for Helen back. But like, that would have been a haul. Like, I still want to do it at some point. But then, for more than just a Helen back, just drive out there and stay like two weeks and travel around or three weeks and see all kinds of places. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know Sean from the channel Story Till Now. He's like in, up in Canada and does overland content. Uh, but like, oh, um, yes, actually, I, I just funny enough, I just saw one of his videos, weirdly enough, like just the other day. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not really, I'm not big into overlanding, but the, wherever he lives in British like Columbia, Canada, holy cow, it's like one of the most gorgeous places I've ever seen. So, like, for that reason, I would love to like do like a Pacific Northwest tour and start in like Northern California and drive my way up into Canada and like see all of that, you know. Um, but I would I would like to to check that out. It's really really cool. But then again, for like a longer period of time and not just for Helen back. It's funny that you mentioned that guy because I like genuinely just I think it was last night. I've never heard of this guy before, and they were going through this like they were bushwhacking this trail that they just followed on a GPS on their iPad, and I thought it was the craziest thing that they were just like cruising along with like four or five guys. And they're like, yeah, the nearest gas station's like 150 miles away. Yeah. And they just yeah, they like, load up like that, it's crazy where they go. Like they, I've watched one of his videos where he, like you know, they even took like jet skis with them, and then they found some lake, and then they went from jeeps to jet skis and just like went exploring along freaking lakes and rivers. Super freaking cool. Like I just I dig the environment up there. Again, the overlanding stuff itself, like. Content-wise, not 100% my jam, but still respect his work. Like, he does really good for what he does. Um, but I just, I dig the scenery up there. It's so pretty. Yeah, I can see that not necessarily, like, because you're more showing, like, the excitement level of what you're experiencing, where, like, they're almost, like, storytelling. You know, yeah. like, they have their, like, ton of B-roll clips with a ton of different, like, I don't know, like, calming music almost is kind of how he was doing it like when uh the video i just recently watched they were showing a section where there was recently a forest fire and like i don't know like just from the b-roll the drone film and the music it was like you literally felt like 
bad for it. It was it was just really impressive with how well he does his stuff. Totally, he's really good with that. He has really really good storytelling and again like powerful images and whatnot. I so this is something. I mean, just a little bit behind the scenes talk, I guess, from what my life circles around or what my questions are. And like I'm, I really want to switch my go to camera gear to like switch over into a quality like Hallenbeck obviously has a qual has that level or maybe even a little better quality uh but again we have a full camera crew and it's a different setup for my for my normal videos all i use is gopros mm -hmm. and i would love to vamp up everything and make my normal videos also a similar quality than Hallenbeck my problem is just dude for what we do i i'm too rough on like it doesn't like yeah. i don't two or three gopros a year like that just doesn't work like any big sony camera would be demolished after three like a long wheeling tour through the hammers two weeks of hammers any, any oh camera is done. like how am i supposed to keep something like that alive you know like in an enclosed jeep with a hard top and and air potential air roll over like, <laughs> yeah like it's different like you put like you you know you're done filming your segment and you put your nice camera back into its case on your passenger seat and put a seatbelt around it or something like, I <laughs> like i should my like for me it's not an op like i and i want to figure that problem out like i need to because my content lives a lot from location and from scenery too and the cameras that i'm using are just not quite up to the challenge like because again yeah. the aop weekend uh, that i had with my dad me and him hit a trail that I've never hit before. Absolutely, like a canyon through the side of the mountain, kind of, uh, but it was kind of a creek. There was water running the whole time under us, huge boulders, and just looked like a freaking jungle. Like, it looked super cool, <laughs> relatively short. But the whole trail lived from its epicness. It just looked badass. But, like, I looked at the footage later on, and I'm like, dude, like, the GoPro just swallows every depth, every mm -hmm. everything. It doesn't look like it, you know? And that really brought up the conversation again internally about switching over to like high-end camera gear even for the normal vlogs but i just i, I don't like if, if anybody listens to this podcast that has this little like knows was like yo you need to do this like i don't know they're so sensitive like you can't yeah. you know run up an obstacle and like i my gopro i get in my jeep i it's my turn to drive and i throw it on the passenger seat and i go up like i'm not making everybody wait you know five to ten minutes until everything is packed away properly <laughs> so it doesn't break we don't have yeah. time for that. this is something that i've been dabbling with too because like whenever when, whenever we go wheeling 90 percent of the time people are expecting photos from me like generally i think when yeah. we went to aop i took almost 1200 photos like you i just took a ton and it was awesome I... and it was actually like a little bit unfortunate that you weren't there this year because we got like nothing i don't think yeah. i got a single <laughs> picture from that trip i used to be that guy too on all wheeling trips i was yep. always with the camera with the photos yep, yep. and uh it, it, it's something that i've been dabbling too it's like yes i want to get a nice photo like a nice camera that i can take quality good shots because like yeah i'm using i think i forget what i'm using it's a whatever it is either way like having the issue of like trying to take like a nice quick like photo but then actually getting like good color grading and like good quality out of it but then also understanding like yeah that $3,800 camera or more is now going to be dusty on trail get trashed every single time I go wheeling or the yeah. same thing as you like that is something that I've been even just photos not even camera like video camera because that's even more money and more delicate 
And like East Coast is one problem, West Coast with all the dust, dude. Yep. Two weeks oh. of KOH, like you should see my. I can literally throw my stuff away after KOH. Like KOH <laughs> will kill everything, absolutely anything. Like you think mud is bad, that uh, dust you will find ten years from now. I will still find this in crevices of anything I own that I brought onto the lake bed. Like that stuff will eat anything. So like even on Helen Banks, we rent everything. All of our equ equipment is rental equipment. What so, kind of cameras? If you don't mind me asking, really quick. They're Sony's. I need to. Yeah. Like we decided to change it up every year a little bit with whatever is new on the market or ne needs to be used or from past experience. But in general, like we have so we we sh shoot on so Sony's. Yeah, so red red cameras we've had for for Rain of Rocks in Texas and for the Helen back in Oklahoma we had a couple of reds, but yeah. it's just the wrong camera for the for, it's not it's yeah one of the most expensive craziest cameras but it's not made for on the run shots it's made to be, shoot movies like cinematic settings where the light's perfect and you stage everything for the picture like that's what those cameras are made for they're not made for a you know run and gun kind of production where you you know jump over rocks and then film stuff as you run like that's not the that's camera for that so but, maybe that's a new that's a new business adventure for you marvin gotta find that nice in between between a sony and a gopro man like yeah, dude, and that's really for me like dude the gopros i don't know it's it, it's it's a curse there's just a shitty like they're in the 11th generation and can't film more than 10 minutes without overheating oh. it seems like like it's so they're so frustrating to me but there's no proper alternative that is worth switching to if, if you already have a lot of gopro equipment you know like yeah there's uh -huh. yeah. or whatever but like i'm like is it it's not really worth it it's not that much better and then everything needs to be bought new whatever but it's just my my <laughs> little drama right now because next year we're going to change like hell like the the way we run helen bank now and with this year's helen bank is kind of going to be the the starting point for a couple of changes that we bring into the channel in terms of growth and making things better and bigger and more professional so we're going to be uh taking all that over into the next year as well and like hopefully i find a solution to this problem and can sh start shooting um our normal you know weekly content on a lot better equipment and just get a way better product out of that as well yeah, that's exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see what you come up with because, as I said, that's a, that is a, it's a, it's a lot more common than I think you realize that other people are experiencing a similar yeah. thing. Like, and like no offense, but overlanding, dude. Like, yeah, you're in an enclosed V. Like, it's totally easy. Like, I, I don't think it's a hustle to film that way. Like, I, again, I really don't want to do like do anybody wrong but i feel like no, i can do it for you. all the time <laughs> in the world like you have no like it's a really slow pace and everybody like it's easier to film and to take your time for the shots that you want to do because you're going down the same dirt road for 30 miles like you have a lot of opportunity to get the shot that you're looking for versus yeah. us living in the moment like you know you slid off a line and blink of a second everything can change like you have to shoot with a different eye like you're mm -hmm. You're planning things out just so much different and then again the way you can transport stuff is just so much easier in an enclosed mostly clean vehicle you know that you live in and that's comfortable and soft and you're not no hazard <laughs> of rolling over and stuff falling in it and getting rained on or whatever you know rocks flying into yep. lenses 
<laughs> We've had so many lenses break during Rain of Rocks from just rocks flying, you know, somebody hitting the throttle, you know, especially AOP Little Caesars. Man, we had some carnage. <laughs> just flying rocks under tires that hit lenses and helmets and people's windshields and headlights and, man, that broke a lot of stuff. Well, yeah. yeah, speaking of which, just like, uh, not not Casey, uh, John, John's recent video where he was, granted he was downhill, not the best place, but it was where the shot was, and he ended up getting smacked in either the forehead yeah. or the cheek, and like, like actually that. got himself pretty fucked up, and mm -hmm. like that's that's definitely something to consider, like you can't really just put it on a tripod and walk away from it, because the vehicle's moving, you know, like it's... Yeah. Geez, there's so much that, that I haven't even thought of. That, that that must... Like, you know, what you get in the face, like, you, the chances that you get it into your lens are so much higher. Like, it happens all the time that you break a lens because of flying rocks. Like, yeah. all the time. Just like well, when you build, I feel like any other car aftermarket industry, you build a nice vehicle and, like, if you treat it somewhat nice, like, you, your grandkids can inherit it. Like, in our world, you build the nicest thing in the planet. And five years later, it's pretty much ready to for a rebuild. Like it's completely built to have, like, and it's the same thing with our camera equipment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if my grandkids are gonna want anything I'm dealing with nowadays. You know, <laughs> but like you know, you built like a nice classic car or whatever custom vehicle. Like you know, just treat it nice. And even a track car, if you don't necessarily put it into the, you know, people can keep those for a long time. There are a lot of historic race cars. I've never seen a historic off-road car. <laughs> you know what? The, the ones you want to see are no longer there. Yeah, <laughs> That's replica, for sure. Like fiberglass, replica, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. So on oh, sculpture of my favorite yeah. off-road car from 2009. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they show you Rod Hall's Bronco that he won Baja with, bro, those aren't the original body panels. Oh, like, no. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> None of this is like what it was when it like finished what it did. Yeah, yeah. So I had a blast from the past. On that note, I saw a legit Jimmy Smith, uh, like one of the OG Rock Bouncer chassis, popped up in my neighborhood. That thing is so hammered and needs so much damn tube work that it's what is it? George Washington's hatchet at this point. The whole. <laughs> The whole underside looks like it needs to get redone because it's all shifted over and everything. Dude's still wheeling it, but like, if you want to keep it going. Um, hey. All right, so I got a quick question that I usually ask everybody that comes on. So, you know, there's been a few misses here and there. Uh, for DOT tires, what's your favorite DOT tire and what is the absolute worst DOT tire for off road use? For off road, I think the KM3 is the best, like the softest off DOT approved off road tire. With like, I, I, like, I truly believe it's the best one out there for whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and for the worst, man, I don't want to diss anyone, but like, there's a few obvious. <laughs> Does it start with the P and add like, and Adagonia? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like those, for example, or. Start with an F and end with Alkin, like like that kind of stuff. Like that's really not great. But hey, let me put it that way. It all depends where you're at, of course. Like if you, honestly, if you live in Moab, like you can drive trailer tires and you'll be fine. Like <laughs> okay, like it really depends where you're at. And any tire, certain tires work better in certain places. That's totally. Every tire has its place, you know. For where we wheel in my world, I would say best duty off road tire. 
uh, it's the KM3 and the work, like, yeah, for sure. Now I'm surprised by I'm surprised by that answer because I have not heard many good things about the KM3s, you know, KM2s. Yeah, uh, KM2s I wasn't a big fan of. I'll be honest, I've had them and never really like they didn't stick out. But the KM3s, dude, I've seen people like I talked to Matt from Busted Knuckle and like <laughs> well, the things that he has done on vehicles on KM3s, like he said that Cherokee, that budget build Cherokee, that white one he built. And then he had this white JK that he took on Helen back. And like, I've done Trail to Sema with him. Trail to Sema was another event with a bunch of people on KM3. Since about the time where it first came out, that just dominated everything. Like, it was crazy. I've had, like, I, I have more experience, like, seeing other rigs perform on them than myself. Like, to be honest, the first off road IG I've owned that has DOT tires now is the Toyota. And it's on KM3s. And so far, they've been freaking amazing. Like, but I don't have reference a whole lot to, on anything. Like, that's what the, like, the, the the one and only tire the truck's ever had. So I don't know, you know. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, it does really, really well. That's... But again, Matt from Busted Knuckle has a lot of really, like, like videos and also, like, real-life experiences that I've seen where it's like, Jesus Christ, it's amazing what, it, what these things can do. Good tires, for sure. Um, yeah. I, I think you're right on the money with the KM2s just being junk and everybody just assuming the KM3s are sort yeah. of in the same wheelhouse. Yeah, also have um, to imagine the KM2s have, aren't, haven't been out there in a long time at this point, like six, yep. seven years was when the last one rolled off the line. So if you see a rig now with KM2s, bro, like the day code on those oh. things are completely through the roof. Like they're just old and hard too, you know? Yep. true. So, but like a KM3 is... A, like it's rather soft, but still holds up well. Like I have them on my truck, on my daily driver, on as a thirty-seven, and they they have probably like they about to hit sixty thousand miles on them. Really good. So I'm not a particular fan of them in the mud. I don't have much experience with them in the rocks, and that's I, I don't do mud other than like you know AOP trails or something like so, something that's like still rock related, but not pure mud. But like yeah. Yeah, know. that's that's where it was. It was at AOP. So, yeah, but there's but that's no, tire, no tire that's really made for that. Honestly, <laughs> chains. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, paddle Tennessee cut. Correct. <laughs> Not much you can do in, but like, yeah. For mud riding, I don't know. Like, yeah, the KM3 is a cool tie, but like you see people in South America, for example, that take the K, they take the KM2, the all-terrain tire, and make the most insane mud tires the world has ever seen out of them by grooving them. Like, apparently they have the deepest <laughs> trap depth, like there's the most meat on them, so people are using those and then just make, they make a bogger look like a freaking girl tire. It's crazy what they <laughs> like there's an instagram page mammoth off-road mammoth or something with mammoth there's somewhere in brazil and that's all like every custom build they do has those tires on them and yes. it's insane dude it, it's completely wild what they make <laughs> tires. apparently you can only buy traps and uh all terrains there that's at least <laughs> all that you see and like they use the all terrains to make them look like uh, traps on steroids this instagram you talked about because i want to see it yeah, there's a bunch there's a company called genius tires i don't know if you ever heard of them they're south american brand and that's all they do too is they they're not they have matured from retreads they started with that 
but now they make their own tires like they grew, they've grown so much that they can they make their own molds now but like you can definitely find like i definitely know them genius genius tires oh uh, yeah these things are gnarly as hell holy so like what you know, if we're talking about mud tires those are freaking mud tires you know and like we don't even need to talk about any dot tires they almost look like they, they so genius tire has two two different types of tires one of them looks like the most his, like hysterical like utv mud tire and the other one almost has like a razor pattern to it but they are they are dogs these things probably have like a inch and a half tread onto them they're fucking yeah dude. yeah you yeah and you're you're not driving those on asphalt <laughs> no this but and even Maxis, like the traps have they have a mud trap in Europe or and also in Asia. There's a trap that has every other lock missing that you can buy off the line in Asia. I do want to point out one thing. Uh per tire they are twelve hundred dollars. So the genius tires? Yes, yeah. the IG fives are yeah. like they're they're actually eleven hundred and fifty five, but I just rounded up. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a set of red labels right there. You know, it's like the red label for mud, I guess. <laughs> yeah, these are 43s uh, for 17s. That, wow, that is wild. Holy. USD, though, Cody. Uh, yeah, that's a question. Maybe it's a. Yeah, it looks like a dollar sign to me. Every other, every other, then it would mean it would cost like 15 bucks. Public we're talking about. Yeah. All right, somebody else look at that. That looks like a dollar sign to me, but that's you know, a dollar I'm sign. I'm looking at okay. it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Try and buy one. You got fifteen, fifteen fifty to spare. Yeah. <laughs> got a hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's see what they look like. Shipping is like another thousand dollars per tire. Yeah, that'll be fine. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, yeah, that is... there's, there's a lot of brands like that. Like the the Axle company that's popping up now, DS Track. I don't know if you guys have looked at those, but that's something that I'm looking at right now. And I'm like, I just there's no real world experience out there. They have distribution in the states now. You can buy them in the states. They're mm -hmm. somewhere in Florida, I think. What are they called? DS and then T R A C DS Track Axles. And they make transfer cases. They make all kinds of crazy stuff. Everything looks really beefy and really good and really not too crazy expensive. Um, and everything is 40 ply and, and whatnot. But, like, you know, there's nobody that's out there that beats on them that can tell you, yo, that stuff's actually good. You know, I'm kind of scared to go with something that nobody has any real-world experience with. But I'm, I would like to try them, really. Yeah, holy shit, I'm looking at it. Uh... They're like I have they're... a U-joint from them here, and they sent me a U-joint, and that U-joint is bigger than my hand. That's like big, way bigger than a 1550. It's a massive, massive U-joint. And again, like all of the axles are 40 spline, everything. So right that's, their pricing's actually not that crazy. Like no. this, so this is so this would be like a, a it's called their uh their DS76. It's yep. portals, it's shaved. It full full uh, double ended ram hydro steer, and I don't know what the comparison would be, but it's eighty five hundred bucks. Yeah, like what? Like, that's the portal axle. But like, if you look at their regular Dana seventy high pinion axles or a low pinion. Um, yeah, they have all kind of Dana eighties. Yeah, I mean, great that you could probably build something for cheaper, but I'm just saying, like, for a pre built, ready to go, ready to run yeah. axle. 
eighty five hundred yeah. bucks for that crazy of an axle, that's really not that bad. Mm-mm. Wow. Yeah, so they're really You'd be hard pressed to build something like that yourself, <laughs> probably to the same level of quality. No way. And again, they have, they make all their own stuff. It's not Dana, you know. Yeah. So it's, like it's yeah. different, which is good and bad. Like he doesn't care about any kind of regular. Like dude, the dude just builds crate axles that come stock with forty spline shafts and have mm-hmm. I don't know sixteen sixty whatever you would call that U joints in them that are just absolutely astronomic. Like everything is super oversized. Like right off the gate for that money, dude, it's kind of hard to beat. But like again. I, I maybe I have to do the guinea pig and try them out. <laughs> That's that the only concern would be. I mean, the nice thing about a fifteen fifty is you blow the U joint or you blow the stub shaft out of that. You can go to O'Reilly's and you can pick one up in an hour. Yeah. Exactly. Like they're, real they're world all. experience. That's that's how long it took them to ship it to the O'Reilly's right next to AOP. And we yeah. see. This is where you need a marketing guy, Marvin, because you know you have a platform, man. If you're no, no, one like, of the only few guys out here, you can hit him up and be like, "Hey, just you know, sauce, take a little deal off the top of it. I'll talk about you guys." No, <laughs> I mean, that's try, but like on stuff like that, like we, I, 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 I've talked to them before and whatnot, but it's like, bro, like once you, I don't want to sound arrogant or like un, like not that, not that I don't appreciate it, but. Free is never free, you know what I mean, and it is. It has to be in relation to everything else I do, and like I have to look oh, at as a business at the end. So if somebody says, "Yo, he has a set of axles," like, cool, like really nice, and usually, like, I'm sure we we could work something out, but um, it's free is never free. So yeah, this, what, that's something like end of it, you know. That's something that Graham has brought up in the past before with like if anybody has ever reached out to us about, you know, quote unquote sponsoring something or showing something. It's like you're kind of not necessarily doing the deal with the devil, but like you are set to their rules of what they want. And like in your perspective, like let's say you put these axles under your rig and they fucking suck, but they gave them to you for free. It's like that now. Yeah. it would yeah. take down my business in a heartbeat. It's a huge risk factor yep. for me. Yep. Plus, I don't need axles. My Jeep drives great. <laughs> my axles are fine. I have no <laughs> axles. You know what I mean? Like, why yeah. Why do it? That's what I mean. Free is not free. Like, it would come with a bunch of risks that's honestly not necessary to take. Now, yep. let's say I'm in a new build and I'm concerned, like, I need to spend the money anyways, dude. That would be a really hot candidate. But, like, I'm not in that situation right now. Maybe on the like, it would be super dope to throw a set of those seventy um, 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 portal axles under the Toyota, like sleeper That'd style. That'd be cool as hell. Yeah, Ooh. that'd be sexy. <laughs> but like, no. <laughs> so, on that note, though, it's gotta suck being in that position where if you end up not liking the product, you also have to like, you can't really just go bad mouthing it because it became. No. Or- Free, but at the same time, and some people do like you totally can. Some people are totally and like I don't want to call them out and like it's a good right. Like some people totally say like you know call them out. It depends on what it is. Like, uh, but I've never worked with a company whose product I don't already really run. You know, it doesn't happen very often. Like it's usually people yeah. that I work with where I know I'm good. You know, and that something I really believe in. Like. 
I should preface that by saying, like, it's not that you can't go and trash it. You should go and trash it, but, like, there is an expectation that there is going to be a decent review at the end because you got this product. You know what I mean? Exactly. And honestly, I couldn't even hide it. Like, what do you do if a, if an axle keeps failing and you keep breaking? Like, you you can't hide that on a YouTube. Like, you know what I mean? Like, people would no. see that. Like, you, and you don't have to say it. People will just yeah, figure it out. Exactly. You, everybody will see it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you can put that in the back of your mind as much as you want, but it'll be front and center for anybody yeah. uh, paying attention. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, how the back and your tire keeps falling off. Yeah, I think they'd figure it out. Or not tire, but whole wheel. Yeah. <laughs> Those damn and damn dormant unit bearings keep falling <laughs> apart. That's one for uh, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that we're starting to kind of come up on the two-hour mark here. Um, anyone got any questions for Mark? Like <laughs> huh? What went by quick? I said. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it always <laughs> does. Especially when you're the one talking, it definitely goes by quick too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do have one one question for what's what's your five year plan with the channel? I know that's a super deep rooted question, wow. and you could go on forever. Where outside of YouTube do you want to be at with off roading? We'll go with that one. I would like to build, uh, it's more, but yeah, exactly. Like, it's not about one specific thing. Obviously, I would love the channel to be at a million subscribers and, you know, establish with what it stands for, like, and manage all that with what it currently is, or at least not having to go too far off of my, what I, you know, like to do in order to achieve that. And, um, but I would like to do other state things too. Like, I'm, I've done a lot of television work this year that fell into my lap and nothing that I actively searched for, all stuff that just happened. Uh, uh, most of it in Europe, but some of it also here. And uh, I would love for that to be like something that I built out to be like the, it sounds really stupid, but like to be like the off-road dude. Like if somebody talks about wheeling and off-roading on television or a new I don't know, SUV in the new uh, off-road package is being released, and then the off-road specialist has to come and test it. Like, I would like to be, be that guy one day. Like, I, I'm not a tech person, I'm not a builder, but I think I can say a thing or two about off-roading and wheeling and how yeah. to test something and like represent our community on that side properly, basically, on television. I think that would be cool. That'd be cool. Be like that off-road expert you know when it comes to testing vehicles to uh, off-road capability but also when it comes to maybe putting something together for you know let's say a movie or tv show that you know where they have sequences and like you just have somebody that you bring in that that takes care of that that is uh you know done right that'd be super cool especially with Motor Trend kind of falling off with like the dirt every day stuff, which is who I would necessarily say would be like the quintessential currently of like off road entertainment when it was available. Like that spot is now open, you know, like yep. with, with that not being there, that's kind of missing. And I mean, I think that that's a really good plan and like if admiration that, to, to shoot for. Yeah, exactly. If that ever happens, cool. And I'm like, again, it's nothing that you can really. Like I can just put my feelers out, and if anything comes up and uh, opportunities present themselves that could help me on that path, then I will most likely take advantage of them. If they, you know, if if that works with everything that I, uh, everything else I have going on, and 
how I envisioned for all this to be represented. Hey, I think I think you have a fantastic personality for it, and I would love to see it happen one day for sure. Um, I think that'd be really really cool. And and don't say what if, no, say it's gonna happen. Put that shit yeah. into the you know into the whatever they call it, like you know those woo woo girls that do exactly. Yeah. No, 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 yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, definitely possible. Just get out there and make yeah. it happen. I th- I think you could do it for sure. Yeah. But also on YouTube, just to establish that, you know, like I don't know. I think it's a. I I would like. I don't again. I YouTube is always my priority. But again, if I can pick up a little bit of television stuff or just general media in once, uh, you know, and may and bring bring drag off road in its community with me a little bit on certain things, that would be awesome. I mean, it's That's definitely cool. underrepresented. You're you're 100 yeah. there. I mean, we had the truck night in America stuff, which was kind of a weird combo of things. It was fun, but uh, you just not quite like it it wasn't off-roading per se it was like a you know like a trial thing um, right but also but, you could take into consideration like what he said about it like the, the production almost took away from it no i was just gonna say that it's funny because we've talked to sam mcintyre who's got the blue j10 uh, that everybody knows everybody's seen the thing or hopefully you've seen it if you haven't go look them up uh, he was on it, and he was talking about how they sort of dramatized the whole thing and made him look like the bad guy because he was winning. <laughs> just, just funny stuff like that, right? Oh yeah, I feel like the days for that kind of TV are kind of over. Yeah. I feel like it's like yeah. it, so. I feel like if that, if something like that would come back, a TV show that it would be more of a yeah, more of what a Helen Beck is or what yeah. what a um, what an Ultimate Adventure is or something. You know, nothing that is yeah. so produced like put yeah w- w- that's more organic like the yeah, 24 really more organic stuff and, uh, yep. i mean or you just do i mean uh i like the rain of rock stuff i don't know how you'd make that um i don't know i guess how long do those usually run for you like time wise i think they're pretty decently Long, it's just right? a weekend. Rainer rocks is a weekend of work. Like yeah. usually, work like day and a half, two days, something like that. So it depends. But something to also consider is like traditional media is not really the forefront anymore. I mean, like for example, you brought up Mr. Beast earlier, but his videos on average worldwide get more views than the Super Bowl. Like yeah, of course. something. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. YouTube will always be my priority. The t- television thing was just an example of something that i would like to pursue because it recently popped up and it's something i want to do another thing is that i want to get flex rocks and rollovers more on an international like more i want to bring more international stuff into it um that's something i really want to work on as well and then you know just make cool better content build 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 more vehicles for the channel and push push a brand like that become like the hoonigan for 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 wheeling pretty much yep. you know? yeah That'd be so cool. Well, hell yeah. I mean, we're coming up on that two-hour note, and honestly, that was probably the best way you could have ended that. I would, I'm so excited to see what you got in the future, and I, I'm very, very thankful that you came on. Do you want to hit us with all your social media and where the people can keep up to date with you? Oh, yeah, man. Appreciate it. Flex Rocks Rollovers on pretty much any social media. Flex Rocks rollovers or flex rocks and rollovers doesn't really matter it pops up either way yeah that's it man subscribe to the youtube channel stay up to date and then again helen back this year 
will be the craziest it's, it's ever been. We have the best, um, yeah, the, 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 the stars are aligning right this year for something really, really special. I can't wait. Looking forward. Awesome, awesome. Well, on that note, who wants to take it out? Luke, you got something? If you can build a Jeepster, build the custom frame, just from what everything that we've heard today, that's the vibe I got. And, and in half after you build it. Yeah. yeah. And then go check out the YouTube channel. Lots of good stuff on there. Alrighty, you heathens. You know what, guys? That was a damn good episode. Holy shit. Can we really just take a second and be grateful that Marvin took his time, hopped on here, and just wanted to chat with us for a few hours? That was fucking awesome. But something that I failed to mention during this podcast is... uh. If you're new here, if this is your first ever episode that you're listening and you made it all the way to the end, I really just want to say thank you. And for the people who come back every single week, thank you very, very much. Um, if you are new and you want to check us out on social media, it's Blue Collar Off-Road. And remember, if you're right now you're listening on a listening platform that just isn't your favorite, go check out on your favorite one. We're probably there. The only one that we aren't on is iHeartRadio, which, which may be... If you guys want us to hop on there, let us know. I mean, it's not too hard for us to put ourselves out there on different platforms. But again, seriously, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Marvin, for coming on and chatting with us. And if you guys have any suggestions on people that you want us to talk to, let us know. Come to our Instagram, DM us. We're always looking on there. Go to Facebook, message us on there. I'm constantly looking. We got two other guys that are constantly looking. So please, if you're in the mood, come back next week or the week after or the week after that. And if you're all caught up, maybe go check out some of the older episodes. I mean, hey, I would probably suggest to start around episode 50 because 10 through 50 kind of fucking sucked. Let's be honest. We were not that great. But from 50 on, incredible incredible episodes and plenty more to come in the future thank you so much